This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management. Welcome to your commercial-free, uninterrupted investment show. Sponsored by the SEC-registered investment firm, Wilsey Asset Management, a fiduciary firm owned and operated by President Brent Wilsey, who has been putting clients' investment needs first for over 40 years. The Smart Investing Show has been giving unbiased financial information for over 27 years on local radio stations right here in San Diego, providing you with fundamental analysis on stocks and investments you want to know about. Now, here are your hosts, Brent and Chase Woolsey. Well, good morning and welcome to Smart Investing Show. I am Brent Wilsey. Thank you for tuning in this morning. Uh, started the investment show, Smart Investing Show, about 28 years ago with us. Uh, here we talk about finance, investing, the economy. Uh, done that all these years. Uh, really built a very good listener base here. Uh, if you're looking uh, at a stock or an equity and you want that unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion on the stock that you are looking at buying, selling, or holding, give us a call here at 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And that'll get you through, as I said, for that unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion that you want to talk about. Chase, good morning. Good morning. I made a huge mistake this morning. What was that? <clears throat> I took a bite of this bar because I was um, hungry. And, you know, you got that, that, that rush of, of, of taste in your mouth, <laughs> and I'm trying to talk, <laughs> and I couldn't quite get it out very good. You got to be careful with those. I know, I know. So I got to wait for you to talk, so I'm taking another bite. So, But uh, we do have a lot of things to talk about. Still happening. That, that bar is still like, gosh, it's lingering. It, it, it is a Reese's Krispy Crunch. Not very healthy, but gosh, the flavor rush just keeps coming and coming. Should have ate that while you're. Oh, you don't eat in your car. That's no. Right. You can, yeah. I never eat my car. I've thrown people out of my car for trying to eat my car. Like, no, nope, get out. You're eating in my car. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we do have a lot of things to talk about today. Uh, it's uh, less than two weeks now for the workshop. Workshop coming yeah. up. I know. Last week you had a little trouble determining. Is it two weeks? Two and a half? <laughs> we know now it's less than two. Less weeks. than two weeks. Yes, <laughs> it is going to be Thursday. June 24th at 6 o'clock. It will be held at the Ale Smith Brewery right off of Miramar Road. Uh, that's where we'll be having the next Smart Investing Workshop. You know, at the workshop, you know, we, we actually do show you what we do and what I've done for the last 40 years, how I've built uh, uh, the business. And actually, I spoke to, gosh, I think it was like 100 realtors from Century 21 uh, this past uh, week on how I built, you know, I, my business and how we mm -hmm. do that. And it is because of how... We manage the money, and that's what we show you. We don't hold back. We show you everything we do. We talk about things, mistakes that you could be making. Uh, but the important thing is that you got to sign up. Uh, seating is limited. I think we're about, I think almost ha oh, more than halfway full. When I talked to Brianna, I think we're about more yeah. than halfway full. So uh, don't delay. Go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. You'll see it there right in the front page. Click on that. Sign up there. If you want, you can call the office 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Talk to Brianna. She'll get you signed up. And we look forward to seeing you on Thursday, June 24th, 6 o'clock at Ale Smith. And I actually had, I was at the Hop Shop, I think it was. Hop Stop. Hop Stop in uh, Poway. And they had one of Ale Smith uh, beers there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I don't know what it was, but it was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So they people can drink beer while they're getting smart on the investment side. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> the, the beer's not free though. The workshop's free, the beer's not free. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about uh this past week here. Uh a lot of things uh went on. Oh, 
I think I, okay, yeah. So I'm still got um but um oh shoot, where's uh I'm my, a little my, slow this morning, huh? Yeah, yeah. I'm just like all all discombobulated. Okay, I'm I'm looking for and I know we talked about because we have so many different things to talk about. We kind of prioritize ourselves, and I can't find the sheet that it was prior uh, priority, but I think I have it. Okay. 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 Jolts is what yeah, that's where we're about. starting. Let me kind of get that out. The Jolts, which stands for Job Opening Labor Turnover Survey, very important. <clears throat> the, this economy has so much potential as we continue to come out of COVID. It's just unbelievable. I, driving in today, I saw all this traffic. Like I had to slow down below seventy five because of so much traffic. Uh, part of this can be seen in the job market where employers continue to be desperate for workers. And this is so true. In, in today's JOLTS report, actually, it was uh, I think it was on Thursday came out. I think it was Thursday came out. Uh, we saw job openings. And I could not believe this when I saw this. I thought, is that a mistake? But job openings hit 9.3 million people. I mean, it, it's it's insane. I mean, that that is a lot, especially when you actually look at the relative numbers, uh, the estimate was actually for 8.3 million. So we blew that out of the water. Yeah. And then also last month, the openings were also 8.3 million. But the thing is, oh, 8.3 million. Yeah, that sounds like a lot. that was a record was mm-hmm. 8.3 million. So <clears throat> 9.3 million. That's a new record by a million jobs. That's a ton yeah, of job it, openings. I mean, we've never seen anything like this. I mean, it, it is insane. And it, it really is evidence that the jobs are definitely out there, and I, I do hate to say it, but I, I do believe the elimination of the enhanced unemployment benefit will result in more people filling these jobs. I mean, the jobs are out there, and the people are unemployed. There's definitely a disconnect, and this is one of the factors that, that I think is holding people back. And, and there's no doubt in my mind that's what it is, because I you, you talk to people, and I, I, I talked to somebody last week, and he goes, you know, my daughter, she's a real hard worker, but she goes, Dad, you know, I, I make so much more staying at home than I would if I went to work. And it, 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 I just can't, you know, financially, well, why should I do it? And, and again, this is somebody that, you know, does believe in, in work and so forth, but it's just, it, it is hard. And then you have employers having problems because they want to get people, and, and you go to restaurants sometimes, gosh, the service is slow because they don't have enough people. Uh, I was listening to one of our, our conference calls yesterday from one of the companies that we own, and they said it's not only workers not being there, but people calling in sick a lot. Yeah. So, I mean, it, 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 there's a lot of difficulties for employers right now, and the demand is out there. And I have thought about this. Is the demand so high because people are collecting unemployment and these stimulus checks staying home, and therefore they have nothing to do, so they go to these businesses? Wow. Well, will that change a little bit when people go back to work? Maybe. Yeah, it could happen. I mean, I, I was reading a conference call from a, a potential company we're looking at. It's actually a restaurant chain. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they're just talking about how the demand has come soaring back. They also do believe that uh, their delivery business will be elevated in terms of pre-pandemic right. levels. Uh, they're thinking that things will return and, and be even better than they were prior to the pandemic because now they have an enhanced delivery business and think that the people want to come back to eat. So it, it is an interesting point is, well, is the delivery – or excuse me, is the demand so high because, well, people don't have anything to do right now. It's like, well, I guess I'll go to lunch. You know, oh, I guess I'll go shopping. Is once people start having jobs, are they going to still want to go out as much? Yeah, yeah. And and, and they may not because I know, like, at the end of the day, I, you know, and I put them, you know, I start pretty early and, and finish. I'm kind of tired by the end of the day. 
you know, and, and sometimes, yes, we will go out, but uh, a lot of times I just want to go home and, you know, have a nice dinner, a glass of wine, and kind of, you know, sit there, maybe do some reading and, you know, call it a day. But uh, I, I think that the part of that is true because if you're not doing anything all day, you want to get out. You want to do something. So uh, that, that could change a little bit. But still, I think people that are working are in better mental states, I guess I'll put it that way. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, yeah. I do continue to anticipate, and this is kind of further proof that the economy will continue to improve, especially on the job market side over the next few months. I mean, people, oh, the unemployment, the unemployment, the unemployment will come down. People are looking for employees. It's yeah. not like, oh, well, we're going to pull back. It It was a completely different story last year where companies are like, we have no idea what's going to happen with COVID, so we're not looking for employees. Now, no, we're looking for employees. We need people back. And you know what will be the test, too, is that I think – uh, three or four states already cut back on the or eliminated the extra unemployment numbers from last week. Last week, yeah. So, so we're going to start seeing how that happens with those states. Uh, do, do, does their employment go up? I mean, so, so we're going to start getting some some uh, numbers here coming over the next couple of months. It's going to take some time to get those numbers, but there's no doubt in my mind. I mean, it, 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 if you stop paying somebody so much, well, I got to go to work now. Yeah, it, yeah. I Pro- the problem is, I continue to believe is California and New York are two of the most populated states. Yeah. So it can continue to weigh on the federal unemployment numbers. So it's going to be interesting to look at a state-by-state breakdown to see what is actually happening there. No, and I meant to look this up, <clears throat> but uh, I went to breakfast on uh, Thursday morning with uh, Governor Ron DeSantis from Florida. I thought I heard that Florida now has a larger population than than New York. And I I, I, I don't think that's true, but I, I meant to look it up, so I'm... I'm I wouldn't be surprised. I know a lot of people, and he talked about it. He goes, and I'm really surprised about people leaving California to come into Florida because he didn't admit our weather is better here than there. But I'm just wondering how big Florida is now. So, but maybe, maybe it will be New York, Florida, and California will be the three big states. I think Florida is already up there, and Texas. Florida and Texas, Texas are two heavily populated yeah. states as well. So yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. See what happens. I mean, yeah. I, I do think it's going to be important to kind of look at these numbers as as they do come out over the next few months. And I, I think by, say, October, November, I, I think you're going to see that unemployment fall quite substantially. Yeah, I, I, I think so too. Let, let, let's move on and talk about, <clears throat> it almost looks like memo investing, but it's meme investing is what it actually is. Um, but don't look now because the risk of investing in these meme stocks, which we have talked about for, for months now, <laughs> can't believe it. It's gotten even worse. We looked at the option contracts uh, tied to the movie chain, you know, AMC, which is really pretty hot right now. Uh, last week, they totaled $11.6 billion. Now, keep in mind, yes, that's a lot of money, but let's put it in perspective. That is more than the S&P 500 Spider Trust. The Invesco QQQ Trust and Tesla Incorporated combined. That's more options than those three. Again, it just shows you how crazy this. And the thing that we need to point out is that these people are, are trading that they have no idea how options work. Well, and I, I'm going to say too is when the year started, AMC mm-hmm. was worth I think a couple hundred million was their market cap, mm-hmm. not their options trading. And even now too, yeah, if you right. look at AMC, I, I want to say their market cap somewhere around $20, $30 billion. $11.6 billion in options, so over a third of the market cap. And I mean, that is insane to have that type of volume yep. on, on site. It just shows how ludicrous and how crazy this is. 
And, and I do fear that many people gambling with these options, again, they don't understand the rules of the game. They don't realize that when the option expires, they lose 100% of their money. You know, please remember this is not investing. This is gambling. If you don't want to lose your money or can't afford to lose your money, stay away from this craziness. And I, I, I worry too, you even look at the naked options. I oh, mean, yeah. you could be really setting yourself up for failure if you have to put a stock to somebody, let's say. Yeah. And you don't own the stock. Well, now all of a sudden you have to put the stock. You got to come up with the funds to buy the stock to put it to that person. I mean, it, it's it's dangerous. Yeah. And, and people, I think, they think they're being smart. They think they're making all this money. Oh, my friend Joe, he made, you know, $10,000 off trading AMC. Like, I want to make money like he did. And all of a sudden it becomes a huge problem. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I guess uh, people, we, we don't have Facebook working today. Social media is not working. Yeah. So just kind of let people know that uh, if they're trying to listen to Facebook or try on Facebook, it's not going to work. Down they may day. not know because they're not on Facebook. Yeah. But, but uh, anyways, yeah. And, and, and they don't realize that, that the things, and that's a problem. They just think it keeps going up and up and up. And, oh, we're beating the hedge funds and so forth. They don't realize that there's this game being played. And, and for every option, you've got to have, and the option is, what, 100 shares, mm-hmm. um, you've got to have the stock there yeah. because eventually you need to be get that stock. So you can't, it's just strange what is going on here. I would not be surprised if there's some major problem with the options market on this that perhaps there's some uh, where there wasn't enough shares or something. Something could happen and have this whole thing blow up because it's just, again, $11.6 billion. And, and that was a week. <clears throat> this is what's going on. It's it, it just... I, you know, and I had a guy say, oh, you, you know, we should have bought AMC back when it was like $5 a share. Like, no, there, there was no reason to do that. You're, you're, you're yeah. Would it be they were on the path to bankruptcy if this didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. The only reason they're able to survive, or not the only reason, the, the reopening has helped them. But one of the only reasons they're able to, because they were able to issue all this stock to take advantage <laughs> of these high prices. Yeah. That's how they're actually going to be able to, to get through the liquidity crunch that they had. I mean, it, it's just ludicrous, and nobody could have predicted this. No, no. It, and, it's, it's insane. And the other thing, too, it's creating is like people like, oh, I'm smart. I know what I'm doing. It's like, no, you're, you're riding the, the, the lucky train, I'll call it right now, and, and we've seen this happen before. And, and it's a lot of new investors who have never seen what can actually happen. And then, and I know this is going to happen. When it falls apart, they're not going to say, oh, I made a mistake. They're going to say, oh, stocks are risky. The game is rigged. You know, it wasn't fair. It's like, no, you didn't know the rules of the game. And you just started playing. Well, and, and the other thing that I think could create some problems is the new SEC chair. I think his oh, name yeah. is Ginsler. Uh, he's talked about, you know, potential regulations on this. And I, I'm not a big regulation guy, but I, I, I understand rules that make sense. And I, I do think that there is a need to protect the integrity of the stock market. And this yeah. is not right. And, you know, we're not growth investors. Right. But I respect that side of investing. It's a different methodology when it comes to it, but you're still valuing the fundamentals of a company. You're looking at, you know, well, the potential growth is there. Right. With these meme stocks, there's no fundamentals from a growth perspective or a value perspective to justify the the worth of a business. That's where, that's not, integrity protecting the integrity of the stock market it's a game it's gambling it's a casino that's where you start to lose and create big problems and and i understand if they come into some regulations and the other thing too is you look at us as you know professional money managers 
we have a whole set of rules that we have to follow when it comes to discussing stocks that we own in our portfolio. These people on Reddit, are they enacting a pump and dump scheme? It's going to be very interesting to see if these people hyping up stocks on Reddit, did they end up pumping it up and then selling it? Because that's not fair. That's right. a, that's an illegal maneuver. Right. And it, oh no, that that can't happen. If big money can't do that, I don't think small money should be able to do that either. Because be, there's people probably making millions off of this. They're like, oh, yeah, I'll go on the Reddit. I'll go on the Reddit board. Yeah, no, I, I we're gonna take it to the hedge funds. Oh, I'm getting out of this, and I'll yeah, let the other people deal with it. Exactly. And and <clears throat> I think that should be illegal. I think there needs to be some um, accountability for these people because they're they're taking advantage of the small guy that wants to be part of this big cult and and take it to the hedge funds, and they're like, oh, I'm going to take advantage of these people. <laughs> that is wrong. And I, yeah. I think there needs to be some research into these chat forums to see if people are profiting off of the, the smaller guys. Right. And I remember in the industry, uh, when I was first in the industry, uh, you couldn't say certain things. You said, well, what about free speech? Free speech does not apply to the investment world because you can't go out there and, again, do the pump and dump thing. So... Uh, and, it, it, and and Reddit, I don't think these guys are under any regulations right now, but things are changing. And I think you're right that the SEC will come up with, with different things that you can't say that uh, with certain. And maybe some of these guys that are on the forum, you know, maybe they do. Because it's different if you talk about a stock favorably, right. but then you don't act on it and don't sell it. But if these guys are on there, yeah, we're doing this, we're doing this, and then they sell it, and then it goes down, they hype it back up, and then they, you know, sell it again. It's like, <clears throat> that's illegal. Right. But if you are on there and you're hyping it up, and you hold it, hold it, hold it, I, I don't have a problem with that. I think it's right. silly. But uh, I, I do have a problem if people are kind of taking advantage of these chat forums and, you know, yeah, I, and, and acting that pump and dump scheme. Yeah, and there was a guy this many years ago. He was from USA Today, uh, and he was a financial writer. And he was actually doing that, and he was actually buying the stocks. Uh, he did get uh, all of a sudden he's gone. He 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 got trolled for that. So I think that's what they're working on to try to get these guys. Because again, I I'm, I I know they're benefiting from it. Yeah. Are they pumping and dumping? Maybe, maybe not. But you know, you can't benefit so much. That's why generally when you go on TV, you got to say, well, if you're talking about a stock, you got to say, well, yes, I own it. No, I don't own it. Yeah. So. Uh, but yeah, things are changing. Uh, let's move on here. I think we want to talk about value investing. Was the other yep, thing we want to talk about, which was. Um, I want to tell people, remember, past performance is no guarantee of future results. The other thing that we have to tell people uh, many times when you talk about investing, uh, while growth names like Apple, Tesla, Amazon, and Netflix have dominated over the past decade, it doesn't mean that will continue. In fact, we believe it's time for value to shine, and this will happen. And also to continue that shine, because value's done very well over the last few months, and I, I do believe that it's not like, oh, a few-month phenomenon where all of a sudden now, oh, now it's time to get back into growth. Again, growth's been hot for over a decade. I think value could be hot, again, for the next five, ten years as well. And it's like, oh, my gosh, I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> Things go in cycles, and, and you don't want to be on the wrong side of that cycle. And, and the reason we bring this up is, according to Credit Suisse strategist Jonathan Golub, historically, the Russell 1000 growth index trades at a 58 six times multiple point premium to value. So to make that simple, let's say value trades at 10, growth is going to trade at 15.6. That, that's just the history mm -hmm. of, of that average discrepancy there. Well, currently it trades at 10.3 times over value. So I'm going to make it simple here. Value trades at 10. That means growth is now at 20.3. So we have that 10.3 discrepancy. I mean, that's almost two times 
historically what it what it normally is. Each point of that valuation gap that narrows would mean 4% or 5% outperformance for value over growth. So that means, you know, if we narrow that gra- gap by about five times, you can see about a 20-25% differential between value, right. which which could be huge. And it doesn't mean value goes up 20-25%. <laughs> exactly. It means growth could also yeah. fall, fall, which yeah. you have to be very cautious of. And, and, and I think it will be a combination of the two is what I believe yeah. is. You'll see growth fall, uh, and some of that money will move to value. So it may be, you know, growth drops 15%, value goes up 10%. That's just not exactly going to happen. We'll give you an idea of what we're talking about. There. Yeah, and and again, that we always tell people this. Be cautious over paying for your companies as things can turn quickly in the world of investing. I mean, I'm not going to say it can happen tomorrow, or I'm, I'm not going to say it's going to happen tomorrow, but it could happen tomorrow. Right. right. <laughs> well, actually, it can't. Tomorrow's Sunday. It could happen Monday. Right. <laughs> let, let me open the phone lines while we're still talking here so I don't forget. Uh, 866 577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. You got a stock that you want to talk about, you look at buy, selling, or holding, or you have general investment questions, we do that as well. Uh, give us a call right now. All lines are open, 866-577-2473. And Chase, I'm going to test your memory here. I think it was months ago. Uh, we did a post about how often corrections happen. I saw somebody on a Fox Business the other day. I'm pretty sure he said that they happen. We get one every year. Remember we did that post? I want to say a 10% correction, and this is, again, going off um, potential knowledge that I have, right. is uh, I, I want to say a 10% correction happens every 14 months. So about every 12, uh, about every year. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it does occur. So I, I want to say it's 14 months. I don't know why that right. number stands out in my head. Sounds but, like a good number. Yeah. So, and, you know, we did have more than a 10% correction last year, obviously. Yeah. But uh, now that's coming up on more than 14 months. 14 months, months yeah. And, and, and that's why we say, I mean, to, to be patient, uh, and we're not telling people, jump out. Yeah, You don't want to jump out, but you want to be cautious. Like one thing we do when we manage 401ks, we, we, we will actually do things a little bit differently. We'll, we'll take some off the table because we can't, you know, and, and invest the money. So you, you, you try to back off a little bit, yeah. uh, waiting for, for that time frame. But don't be 100% in or 100% out. Uh, and it's very hard because when people come over, it's like, gosh, I've been with you for, you know, three months now, and you've only invested 30% of the, of the money. Yeah, it's, it's a big there's a big difference between what we're talking about and also timing the market. We're not, we're not timing the market. We're looking for good values, and we're not going to buy something just to buy something. But we also don't sell something, oh, just because we're nervous. Right. We still wait for companies to hit our valuation metrics. So it all comes down to the values. That's not timing the market. Timing the market is when, oh, i got to sell everything because I'm, I'm really worried about stuff. Yeah. That's what you don't want to do. What you want to do is you want to be methodical. You want to be understanding of what you're paying for things. And when things get crazy, things get expensive, yeah, sell it and look for something else to buy. Doesn't mean you have to buy it tomorrow, but have that full intention of buying something. You just want to make sure you're buying something that trades at good values. Exactly. Alrighty, phone numbers 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go out to La Jolla and speak with Vicky. Vicki, you're on the Smart Investor with Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hi. Good morning, Brent and Chase. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm very well. 
I'm really calling for a friend who was not comfortable phoning in, so I said I would do it for Oh, well, that's nice of you. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a JMSIX, which is a J.P. Morgan uh, income fund, and uh, hopefully for capital appreciation. I think they only invest in U.S. securities, but I'm not sure. And I guess my question is, is this a good investment for inflation uh, hedge you, you know i know chase is going to be looking uh, this up a little bit more because when i pulled it up uh on reuters it doesn't come up so chase might be looking at uh, yahoo finance because you you want to look at the fund and this is what we do when we actually analyze uh funds for people in the 401k says look what the holdings are <clears throat> yes. because income fund generally means they pay dividends they could have some bonds in there which would be terrible as rates rise so uh chase just signal signal when you got it you, you got it up Computer's moving a little slow today. Our computer's slow today. Uh, that, that but it was J I N S X. J M J M S I X. Yeah, yeah. Uh, John, Mary, Sherry, Ida, X-ray. Yeah. So there it is. Got it. Okay. So yeah, what's so important, Vicky, is you look at what the fund has. You also want to look at the turnover ratio if we can find that quickly. Uh, we use, we don't get many calls on mutual funds. Uh, uh, on the radio show, so we don't really, we're not really prepared for them. But I think we'll pull some things up here because these are things you want to look at: what the holdings are and uh, the sectors and stuff. So, what do you got so there? So, I mean, I'll, I'll kind of start off the expense ratio. Uh, obviously, that's important to look at. A yeah. lot of times, people, and I'm going to talk about when they hire financial advisors. It's, it's an important thing to look at if your advisor is putting in mutual funds. Oh, I just pay my advisor one percent. Well, if they're putting you in mutual funds that also charge one percent, where your fees are quite high. But if you're you're doing this yourself. It's important as well to look at the expense ratio for the J.P. Morgan Income Fund Class I. It is a expense ratio of 0.42, so that's not bad. But I, I do I say it's not bad because it's a multi-sector bond fund. Is actually Ooh. what it is. It, it doesn't look like it holds equities. I mean, the yield on it though is 4.39%. So that does worry me a little bit, as it's likely investing in some higher risks. Yeah, items. Yeah, multi-sector means <clears throat> they probably do good bonds, high-yield bonds, international bonds. So they're they're really mixed that way, uh, and, and I'm not feeling comfortable with it. And then I don't know if you can see the percentage of what they have in yeah, each I'm, sector. Yeah, I'm looking at, look at what they, they hold here. Um, just kind of looking at some of the, the ratings as well, important to look at that. They do have about 19% of it in AAA rated. But then you start to get down, and in triple B, it's 16%. In double B, which is actually considered junk, it's 27%. In mm. single B, it's 11%. Below B, 18.7%. So th this is really on the high risk side because that's all, oh, about 50% is uh, in junk, is what it looks like. 99.5% of their bonds, energy. Oh, wait. 99.5% is in energy bonds? That's what it says. Wow. See, and this is why it's so important to really look at where you're invested because, and again, we like energy. Energy we think is doing well and so forth. But to have that much, and also you're on the high-risk side of the, the energy side, there will be some energy companies that could go bankrupt, and this one could be hurt. And I will say, I this is just off Yahoo Finance, so it's not 100% yeah. foolproof. It's not their, their perspective. It, that doesn't add up because it shows the federal national mortgage is 1.5% of the fund. So that's oh, that already more that. than 99%. <laughs> yeah. So definitely something to be 
cautious of in terms of how much is truly in energy, but that, that's not adding up. So I, I do want to point that out. And also, too, I see Dish DBS Corporation that has like a 5.88% yield that I know is more of a communication, not energy. Um, but that's 0.4% of it. So it, it looks like it's just thrown a bunch of things against the wall there with high yield. And hopefully not everything goes bankrupt is, is the plan of this fund. But the thing is, some of the things, let's say if three quarters of them go bankrupt or one quarter of them goes right. bankrupt to be on the conservative side, well, now you lose that, that principle in those funds. And hopefully the other ones can pay enough yield to offset that is what these kind of strive for. But I, I don't like to play that game. And, and Vicky, the person that uh, you, you're calling in for, do they have a lot of money in this fund or just like a small amount? None, I don't think. Uh, just okay. looking at it. Or just looking at it. Okay, were they advised yeah, yeah, to go into had, this? Or? Uh, I'm sorry? Were, was, were he or she advised to go into it or... Um, from a phone call, yeah, to, um, to a company, it, they were advised that this was a good one, but I also said, um, I wonder, um, what they're investing in. That's what I want to know. Yeah. And if it's a lot of bonds and that much in energy, uh, ooh, ooh, I don't think so. Yeah. yeah. That, I think it's a combination of it is in bonds, which we don't like. You do mm-hmm. have a lot on the high yield side, which are junk. Uh, we've determined that's not all energy, but I'm, I'm sure there's a big, big amount in energy it, it, it just and i think what people do they look at the yield what was the yield chase for something 4.39 percent yeah, and that's what somebody looking at oh i get a 4.4 percent yield on this this is great it's like no. and, and i just got to yeah. point out i mean if you're getting 1.5 percent on a 10-year note i mean that that means you're taking on a substantial more a substantial amount of risk to get 4.4 percent in bonds right I, mm-hmm. I mean i would much rather buy i mean we were looking right now at a, a real estate investment trust for our portfolio that that pays over a 5% yield, I'd rather be in that. And you're going to have more volatility in that, but I think that yield is a lot safer than this type of investment. And be, yeah. Oh, I want to be in bonds to diversify. I, I just, I, I don't follow that that methodology right now. I think it, it's crazy, and I, I think this is could be very, very risky, especially if energy prices are doing well right now. Mm-hmm. But as we've seen, they can move quite quickly if they go to the yeah. downside. It, it could be very problematic for this fund. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to say just based on our limited research here that I would not recommend this fund. I would have to say uh, go somewhere else because this, this fund is not, not worthwhile. I think they'd be, I think they'd be very disappointed down the road, 12, 24 months. Already. Well. Thank you, and I know my friend is listening, so um, I hope they heard this. (laughs) I hope so, too. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks again, guys. Okay, Vicki, thanks for calling. Have a good one. And you, too. Bye-bye. All righty, that does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Bob. Bob, you're in the Smart Vegetable Brent Chase. How can we help you? Yeah, hi. I just wanted to know a comparison between FRX, Beach Body Fitness, and uh, Peloton is what you think as far as the, you know, the two in comparison as far as sales with the British bike and the food, the uh, some kind of a food nutrition line, along with the sports figures like Shaq and um, LeBron James. That'll be pushing it once it becomes a stock called body and, and bob what what is this company um Name it's, the company. A, uh, it's basically a uh what do you call it a uh a SPAC. 
Oh, this is a SPAC. Okay, yeah, because when I put in FRX, nothing came up for the for the symbol. Um, is it Forest Road Acquisition Corporation and they're merging with something? Is that? Yes, correct. Okay. Okay. They've yeah, just started the voting, I believe, process this month, and I'm sure it'll pass the merge between the three companies and uh, the Disney guy who's running it. Yeah. Yeah, and, I'm, and I got the circle of death going here now, so I don't know if I'm getting anything or not. But well, um, we're not going to get anything because no, it is back. back. So yeah. I mean, we, yeah, we can kind of talk yeah. talk about it. Um, I, I don't know much about the the company they're merging with, but you kind of name drop some, some big names there. Yeah. And um, one thing that that we have talked about in the past year, Bob, is it, it is very exciting, and you know, Shaq's behind it, and you know, there's other people, and obviously Shaq. I like Shaq. I think he's an interesting he's guy. Yeah, LeBron James, which. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's he's, famous. he's a big name, famous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there there could be a lot of hype and momentum behind this when it merges. But I mean, we don't like to play that game of of guessing what's going to happen. Uh, and I don't know enough about the business they're merging with to really give you an idea of sales. We'd have to wait until after we get some time in this business to look at it. But uh, you know, like Peloton, it was expensive. It is still expensive. It might trade at similar valuations but it, it's 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 really just a gamble at this point is, is what, what yeah. you're looking at and, and bob this whole thing is very complex and it's kind of like based on you know i'll say the hype and so forth and it could do well but a lot of spacs that they're really they're not so hot any longer they've kind of realized that a lot of them have kind of fallen apart and they're not they weren't really built on a lot so i mean that that's why you know, when you called in, we kind of look for the symbol, like, well, what is this company about and so forth, and try to give you some numbers. There's no numbers on it. I mean, it's a very highly speculative thing that could do extremely well. Uh, but on the SPACs, I remember reading the Wall Street Journal months ago, they said, yeah, a lot of these names, these athletes are getting in there. They're getting paid to promote this stuff. They know nothing about it. Uh, but just because of name recognition, they're doing it, and people are buying into it because of the names. And that's we don't invest that way. When we invest, we want to get a company that has profits and and good sales and, and not a lot of debt and cash flow, all these other things. Oh, they won't they won't have any debt. It's Beachbody Fitness. They've been around for a long time, and they're you know they've always continued during the uh, epidemic. You know, since they're pretty much outdoors on their fitness programs and. I, I, and I may not, because again, as you were talking, I was trying to look for some information on it. Um, but why is that company not just going public themselves? I have no idea. I believe it's yeah. just because this guy, uh, the uh, ex-Disney CEO or whatever, has basically been successful at merging other companies together to make them more profitable and more, you know, open to the people. Yeah. Yeah. I just kind of feel when they're doing something like that, they're trying to hide things. And I think there was also two behind the scenes on the SPACs. I think the creators were getting, I think, 10%, 20%. I mean, yeah. you know, I don't think this is good for private investors because it's just like, I think others are going to make money, not the investors. The other thing that scares me a little bit too, Bob, is on the SPACs, there's a whole different set of rules. Is when you go public through an IPO, there, there's different um, kind of, estimates that you can talk about with the company like but when you go via spec you can kind of say what you want like i know fisker when they went through their spec they're like yeah we're gonna do sales of this 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 and it, you can kind of build on that high build on the momentum and i mean it, it, it's a it's a different type of investing it, it, as i said it's truly a gamble here and and you know we miss ipos we miss the, the mergers with the specs it, it's just not what we do i like to see good information good sales 
and, and sometimes we'll, we'll wait a year to make sure we're investing in something safe. We know that we have data and maybe this company next year all of a sudden, hey, we've had good data now for a year. Maybe at that time we'll look at it and say, yeah, it's a good time to buy. But we don't like to, to take that chance. We want good data before we invest in something. Yeah. All right, Bob. All right. Thank you. All right. Thanks for calling. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Uh, so uh, that does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. All lines are open. Chase? Yeah, I was going to say, it is, it is interesting. I mean, the, the whole fitness industry has is, yeah. is kind of gone through changes. I, I did pull up their website and stuff, beachbody.com. Is, uh, you know, it's the world's greatest gym right in your home. So I think that's what Bob was asking about in terms of comparing it to Peloton. I, I just feel like there's a lot of competition there with like, it, I remember my mom used to do like the Tai Bo videos oh, <laughs> in yeah, the morning. Right. You yeah, know? Years ago. It's like, it's been around for years, but right. now oh, it's different now and it's changed, but it, it's really been around. And it, it was interesting. Um, I was reading an article on planet fitness and the CEO was saying, he's like, people have been doing at home workouts for decades. It's not like uh, this is something that's completely new. Right. You know, there's the at-home videos, and then, oh, I have a stationary bike. And he's like, I mean, Peloton, it's new, but it's not a completely new competitor in the essence that people have worked out from home for many years. So I, I, I just I think that this has been around for a while, and it might be trading on the hype for a little bit, but I don't like to trade on hype because you don't know when the hype ends. Right, and, and well before your time, uh, there was a guy named Jack LaLanne, uh, who actually, that's what he did. He was on TV. And it was in black and white because back in the, the 60s, and he had people working out from home. He did open up his own fitness centers and became very, very wealthy. But again, that was back in the, the 60s, that working from out from home. What about, uh, what's that like? I know there's the Kiss guy. Is it Gene Simmons? There's Gene Simmons or something that did like the Jazzercise. Oh, Jazzercise, you know? yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, his last name was Simmons, and I, I don't know if it was Gene Simmons or not, but I know who yeah. you're talking about, yeah. And he was like, you know, come on, ladies, let's get going. You know, he's, you know, he's trying to motivate me. He's this, this funny little little guy that, uh, you know, everybody loved him. Uh, but, uh, yeah, but but that that's true. It has been going on for a long time. And, and I don't know. I mean, I, I, I you know, drive by 24-Hour Fitness uh, this morning. Uh, I noticed that the parking lot, they used to have this outside gym that's gone. Yeah. So I think we are moving back to being more in the gym. Uh, I know here in, in, in California, Tuesday is going to be the reopening. Uh, so we could see things change here uh, and, and see that more people are going to go back to the gym because I, I like working out from home because I get to watch the business news while I'm working out. But I do remember going to the gym and I'll probably go back to the gym a little bit. Um, you're just more motivated. Yeah, I, I mean, I had this really good setup at my house years ago. Right. I mean, I had a squat rack, I had dumbbell, I had all this stuff, and I just, I, I was like, ah, I'm done. You know, yeah, right. <laughs> you have you have that option basically to end the workout where it's like, I already drove here, so it's like I'm gonna be here for an yeah. hour. You, you kind of have that motivation. I, I personally, I just can't work out at home. It, yeah. it just, it's very hard for me to get in that mindset, mindset. and I, I think a lot of people are that same way as well. So. I, I do think that, you know, this whole at-home craze when it comes to doing everything from home, I, I think it was completely overblown. I, I don't think it is going to last in, in the same magnitude. And there will be it some. It'll never go away. Yeah, yeah there'll, there'll be some right. changes. But right. it's like anything in life. Things always evolve. Things always change. But it's not going to be, as people would say, the new normal, the new normal. last year. Right. I hated and, that. And I think Peloton did so well because they really had no competition. 
well, now when gyms reopen and, and you know, people are like, well, uh, and, and I can see this happening, that $2,500 machine sitting in the corner because you kind of lost interest because it's still on the video. And yeah, I know people really love them, but it's still not live. And, and, and I think we will well, see. It, you're yeah. live with other people, I guess, but it's still not like in person live, I guess is what you're saying. It's like Zoom. Yeah. I mean, we still like to meet people in person. We'll do a Zoom if somebody's like in Texas or someplace else. But it's just not as good as meeting somebody in person, and you know. So, yeah, but. I I just think it's going to be an interesting. It'll be interesting to see how things change over the next, let's say, five years. Oh, I think it's been less than that. I I, think, yeah, I, no, I, yeah. I'm just saying, probably next year there'll be some change, but I think in in five years it's going to be completely different than it is obviously today. Based on my history and experience, I think by next year it's going to be totally different. Yeah. So things will change. We'll okay. see. I don't know about you guys, but when I look at the person next to me on the treadmill, I want to go like 0. 0.1 faster than them. Or <laughs> yeah, there you go. I don't get that feeling anymore. <laughs> you know, that, that competitive, you're right. That competitive things. And you do see other people working out like, well, they're working. I remember that. I, sometimes I'm sitting there like, well, they're working. I better get busy. Yeah. yeah. It is true. So. Oh, you did 155? Well, I'll do 175. <laughs> That's right. That. That's right. That's how I pull my shoulder. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866 866- Five seven seven two four seven three. I do see Jairus there. Before we go to Jairus, I do want to talk to uh, to our, our financial planner Harrison uh, from Wills Asset Management. Harrison, good morning. How are you doing this morning? Good morning, guys. Doing well. Good, good. I know today you're talking about emergency funds, correct? Yep, yep. Jenna, talk about emergency funds. I know you brought this up as a topic last week, um, so I want to talk about it this week. Good. Okay. Well, because it, it's so important for people to have the emergency funds, but they many times they, they have too much or not enough. Yeah, and that, that's really the thing. So, um, and this is this is not talking about cash that's set aside for travel or buying a house or um, purchasing a car or remodeling or anything like this. This is just the emergency type fund. Um, so, you know, last year when COVID started, a lot of people lost their jobs, and once they didn't get that first paycheck, a lot of people were struggling and. You know, that's where um, one of the areas where emergency come, uh, fund comes in. So we hear the rule of thumb, you want to have three to six months worth of expenses. Um, I'm generally not a fan of rules of thumb because I don't think they're specific enough for individuals. In some cases, three to six months is fine. Some people need less, some people need more, but I would rather have the right amount for every person so their financial life is as efficient as possible. So. Some of the things you want to look at is how secure is your income? You know, if you're someone who's receiving Social Security and pensions and that's covering everything you need, that is guaranteed income. You can't be laid off from it. That's a whole lot different from a one income household that's income is 100 percent commissions coming from sales or something like that. So, Mm. you know, completely different situation. So depending on how your income is set up, that can help determine how much money you need to set aside. Another thing is how much of your of your income every month do you spend? If you're someone who has to spend your full paycheck, that means you're probably going to need a little bit more cash. Whereas if you only spend half of your paycheck every single month, you know, if something comes up unexpected, you'll have more cash flow at the end of every month to, to make that. So you don't need to withdraw from cash. Um, another thing is how complicated is your life? If you have multiple properties, multiple cars, multiple kids, 
um, higher fixed costs every month, yeah, you're going to need to have more cash than, you know, a single person who doesn't have that much. So again, your lifestyle really tells you how much, uh, how much you need to have. Another factor is how liquid are your assets. If all of your assets are in real estate and IRAs, you know, that you can't really withdraw from without having really large tax consequences, uh, you know, that's that's a challenge, and you're going to need to have a, another plan in order to access funds if you were to need it. So um, one thing I want to point out is, you know, emergency funds are important, but that doesn't mean you need to hoard a bunch of purely cash just in a, a savings account somewhere. Right now, interest rates are really low, so cash is not earning anything, so we don't want to hold any more cash than necessary. Um, we would rather have that money set aside to be used for something that can make us money. So some different um, options would be to look at a key lock. Right now, a home equity line of credit, if you use your house as collateral, um, you can get a rate anywhere from 2 to 6%, depending on you know your, your credit worthiness and uh, what you can qualify for. But if you have a HELOC against your house, that's money that you can access if you need it. It doesn't cost very much. And then if you don't need it, you don't have to pay for it. So it, it's, it's kind of a nice little extra contingency plan. Um, another one is a securities-backed line of credit. So it's like a HELOC, but instead of using your house as collateral, you use a brokerage account. And so interest rates on those are anywhere from one and a half to 4%, depending on how much uh, you have in that brokerage account. So again, another area where you can access funds if you need to, um, while you can keep your money invested in and growing for you. So, um, you know, depending on your situation, there's people out there that actually need little to no emergency fund, depending on their situation. And then there's people out there that probably need over a year's worth of expenses because their life is, um, you know, uh, structured a little bit differently. So, you know, I would say don't settle for the, the three to six month um, rule of thumb because you're either, number one, going to be missing out on growth um, by having too much in cash, or you're going to be exposing yourself to, to too much risk and not having enough money in cash. And, and you know, Harrison, it's so important that you bring this up because you can tell it's a well-thought-out process when people come into you as a financial planner that you, you ask these questions because many times they go to a financial planner and they go with that rule of thumb. Also, too, some people say, well, I'll just do it online. They have a financial planning thing online I can use. And they use those rule of thumbs. So you've got to have these live interactions to talk about these many different aspects you brought up. And I'm sure there's more than what you brought up. But this is why a good financial planner is so important to look at these things because everybody's situation is different. And I just wanted to circle back one more time, too, on the, the, the credit line idea. So Harrison is I, I, I just when you talk, I don't want to go into debt. I don't want to go into debt. The thing that people have to realize is if you open up the credit line, you don't start being charged an interest rate until you actually take money out. So it's like a you know revolving credit type deal. It's not like oh it's a fixed loan amount. It, yeah. It's you only start incurring interest once you have it. And the thing that you always say is you know it's easy to get a loan when everybody wants you know it's easy to get a loan yeah. when you don't need the money. Yeah. When you need, need the, the money, money. <laughs> no one wants to give it to you. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why you do it when you don't need it. Yeah. And I had a credit line back when I owned a house uh, a year ago yeah. now, um, and I think I paid fifty dollars a year to keep that open. And what a great thing it was because, again, you could use it if you need it. I never needed it, but if you do. And, again, it's not right for everybody, but, again, it's a great idea to look at it. And this is why you have a financial planner like yourself, Harrison, for people to explain to you that, yes, this fits your situation, but it may not fit your, your neighbor's situation. Yeah. So. 
Well, Harrison, yeah, the whole idea is yeah. to, to add value to someone's situation because, you know, you can sit on, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars of cash and if something comes up, you'll be able to handle it. But you've also missed out on what uh, what that money could be doing for you. So we want to do the right thing for every individual and that improves their life. And that's really the purpose for it. That's right. And I think you had uh, and I was going to close here, but I thought you had one other uh, comment you had from last week or something. Was that correct or no? No, I'll, I'll talk no. about that another time. Another time. Okay, okay. Well, yeah, we we can kind of tease with it, I guess, is, you know, I think you're, what, next week you're going to talk about, because uh, last week you talked about expenses in retirement, now you're going to focus more on the medical expenses in retirement, correct? Yeah, because it's a totally different thing, uh, kind of separated from the inflation aspect of it. Inflation is, is a part of people's retirement, but the medical expense stuff and healthcare stuff later in retirement is totally separate. You need a totally different plan for that, so I'll I'll talk about that in uh, one of the coming weeks. Well, that's a good tease. Probably next week, right? Probably next week. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess I kind of forced you to that, didn't I? <laughs> well, Harrison, thank you very much. You have a great weekend, and uh, we'll see you Monday morning. Sounds good, guys. See you Monday. All right. Bye-bye. Uh, Harrison Johnson, he is our uh, CFP, our financial planner at Wilshire Asset Management. Uh, there is a free consultation with him. And, and again, if you went to your financial planner and they did that rule of thumb thing on your emergency funds, you need to fire that person and say, wait a minute, I need to go talk to Harrison Johnson because I need somebody that really talks and understands my situation, digs deep into it. And, and I know many times when Harrison does the first real uh, appointment with, with people, I, he's in there for a couple hours. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's kind of amazing. So, But uh, he, he again, he's finding all this information about you. So you want to talk to Harrison, it is a free, uh, free first appointment. Give him a call at the office, 858-546. 4306. That's 858-546-4306. Or you can find them on our website as well, and that's smartinvesting2000.com, smartinvesting2000.com. And before we go back to the calls, I do want to talk about the workshop. Coming up in less than two weeks, it's going to be at Alesmith Brewery, uh, June 24th, 6 o'clock, and that's right off of Miramar Road. Uh, at the workshop, we're going to show you how we successfully manage money for over 40 years and how I manage my own money. So I, I, I do the same thing for my clients that I do with my own personal portfolio, and that's how I've done very well. And we're going to show you that. Uh, we'll go over all the financial fundamentals that put your mind at ease when investing and keep you on the right course for long-term investing. We'll show you how we use our target buy price, our target sell price, things that maybe you shouldn't be doing in investing, things that maybe have failed for you or could fail for you, why you shouldn't be doing those. We'll talk about that as well. The workshop is free. As I said, right now, it's probably about halfway filled. So we do have some seats remaining, uh, but you got to register. Go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. You can call the office. Uh, speak with Brianna, 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. And we'll look forward to seeing you at uh, Alesmith Brewery, June 24, 6 o'clock, right off Moore Road at the Smart Investing workshop all right let's go back to the calls let's go right back out to san diego and speak with gyrus gyrus you're on the smart vegetable brent chase how can we help you good morning guys uh miss you guys but i've been listening every every weekend i appreciate uh all your help well we're uh, glad that we're glad that you're there yeah quick question for harrison uh does the gavin newsom vaccine lottery emergency fund does that count you know what? He'll be here next week. You'll have to ask him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to touch that one. <laughs> All right. Kind of like no no eating in the car type of thing, right? <laughs> yeah, well, you're listening close, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I take notes. I listen carefully. 
Uh, real quick, uh, it's not the Gene Simmons uh, exercise program. It's the Richard Simmons. Ah, I was like, Gene Simmons, I know that's the guy from Kiss. And I was like, I just know it was like right. Simmons. And I couldn't think of the first names. So thank Simmons, you, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, those those guys only exercise when they're when they're playing their concerts. Uh, they definitely get a workout, though. Yeah, yeah and you're talking about Gene Simmons. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> uh, that's the guy with the, with the big, long tongue. I don't know if you guys know that part. But yeah. Maybe that's too much information. <laughs> yeah, that's TMI, and I didn't know that part, but... Uh, <laughs> How can we help you on the investment <laughs> side here, Jairus? Yeah. yeah, let's get let's get back to uh, reality. Uh, AstraZeneca, A Z N. Uh, I got in at about uh, forty four, and just wondering what you guys' uh, numbers look like, and see what you think. All right, let's take a, a look here. What I'm coming up with here, and uh, let's see here. What's what's going on, my my uh, program here? Because I, I put it in and it didn't happen. A Z N is a symbol for AstraZeneca. I'm, I'm guessing that they probably do have um, an ADR. Yeah, they have an ADR. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. Here we go. We got we got the loading signal here, and <laughs> I'm and, and I'm I'm curious as well. I know that yeah. they have the the COVID um, vaccine that uh, did have some problems. Um, right. I, I'm not sure what they do outside of that. Do you know anything else about their pipeline there? I, I don't. I know they're they're dabbling in other stuff, and they've had some problems, I believe, in India, a little bit in Europe. But uh, I think those things are getting ironed out. So other than that, I, I don't know more. All right. Well, well, let's take a look at AstraZeneca PLC, which means in uh, United Kingdom, symbols AZN. Uh, I do not have the normal comparison of the industry, but I do have the numbers on uh, AstraZeneca right here. PE ratio, not a great number, 39.1%. We do see price to sales 5.6. Unfortunately, you know, price to tangible book value. Many times that's the norm for these drug companies because they do acquire other drug companies, which puts a lot of goodwill on the balance sheet, which is not a tangible asset. And then we do see price to cash flow 22.4 looks okay. You do get a 2.6% dividend. They use 90% of their earnings to pay it out. That's a little bit on the high side. Uh, and their innings—I don't think their innings were low last year, but well, you, you know. So I'd, I'd be a little bit worried about that—that ninety percent uh, pay on the dividend. Uh, we do see sales year over year; they were up nine point three percent. That is good. Earnings did climb by one hundred and sixty percent. We're looking at the balance sheet; got a current ratio of 0.9. That's okay. Debt to equity one hundred and forty. A little bit nervous on that number. It's a little bit higher than I'd like to go. I like to be more like a high side, 125, 130. But again, you kind of look at the cash flow, look at the debt. Maybe some debt's coming due and they'll be off the balance sheet this year. But you want to look at that balance sheet on that debt side. We do see return on equity very good, 31.6. Net profit margin also very good, 14.3. They make 14 cents on every dollar they bring in. That's very good. We see what turnover, 4.9. And inventory turnover, 1.6. Jason, what do you got for the uh, earnings going forward? Well, I did kind of look at it briefly just to see what else they do. And it, it looks like they uh, have different areas of oncology, cardiovascular, uh, renal, metabolism, respiratory infection, neuroscience. Uh, so they have different fields. And, and one thing that, that I want to make sure you understand here, Jairus, is what else is in their pipeline? So, for example, you know, Pfizer, they benefited, of course, by the, the code vaccine that they had, but it, it, it wasn't a huge part of their business it, it was like kind of right. icing on the cake I, I think it's kind of similar here with AstraZeneca but I want to understand what else is in the pipeline because we know the COVID vaccine uh you know 
shouldn't be a huge moneymaker for the next 10 years, let's say. So I want to make sure that they have something to kind of bolster them as we do move on from the code vaccine. But uh, kind of talking about the numbers here for AstraZeneca, I do see current price $58.77. 52-week high, well, that's $64.94. And the 52-week low is $46.48. If I go out to December 2022, I see estimated earnings per share of $3.72. That would give us a target sell price of $61.75. So right around that that kind of sale price there, I'd, I'd keep a close eye on it. I don't know if I'd sell it now, depending on their pipeline, but uh, it's definitely getting close. And I just take a quick look at the balance sheet for you here as well. And I saw that their debt has climbed by almost $2 billion from $18.5 billion to $20.1 billion uh, this year. So their debt is increasing, and I'm not sure why that is. I see a big spike uh, two quarters ago. It was up to $22 billion. But I want to understand what they're doing with their debt here. Maybe it was for some drugs. But, I mean, it, it just worries me being that high a debt because um, you, you could have problems if their drugs don't do well. <clears throat> you can see the stock start to fall. So I, I would normally, when we're looking at it, we'd look at actually years past. We'd also look at the cash flow as well. So kind of give you some direction there to look at. I think you said right. you hold this, correct? Yes, uh, I got in at about 44 or so. Okay, yeah. I mean, I, 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 mean, I think it's okay, but I would just kind of watch that balance sheet and the cash flow, what they're doing. Already? And I think, Chase, right. you said it's close to the target sell price. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. So, all right. Thank you so much, gentlemen. Uh, look forward to meeting you someday. Yes, and we're looking forward to that. You have to come to the workshop someday. Yes, I've got it on my calendar right now. I just need to check with my wife and see if we can make it work. I'd love for her to come out and uh, have you guys explain things. She's a lot more conservative than I am, and I'm pretty conservative myself in the investing part. So uh, June 24th, 6 o'clock. All right. Well, we hope to see you there. All right. Take care. Bye. Okay, Jarvis. Bye-bye. All right. That does open the phone line, 866 577 Seven, three. I know I'm pushing against a break here, but uh, I did want to bring up kind of how Dreyer said his wife's a lot more conservative when it comes mm-hmm. to the investing. It's so hard because sometimes you're like, oh, you're too risky because you're in stocks. Other people say, oh, you're too conservative because you don't buy Tesla. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's why we, we don't look at, you know, oh, we're, we're trying to appease risk tolerances. We're just trying to buy good businesses. And, right. you know, I don't look at being conservative, being aggressive as I want to buy good companies. So, yeah. you know, it, it's I think we have a good balance for people that um, – are worried about things so we don't buy the crazy things. Right. And, and again, we always talk about, we'll talk about this at the workshop, the difference between risk and volatility. I mean, risk is where you have the potential of losing all the money. Volatility, volatility is the up and down movement and, and people don't realize that. And so it's the education and, and we fear the unknown. And that, that's why people say I'm conservative because I, I'm uh, fearful. Well, it's because you don't understand how business works. You don't understand what you're kind of, you know, looking at. You know, if you're, you should invest, yeah, if you're going to do it for, for a month, yeah, that, that's gambling. But if you have money that you're looking at two, three, four, five years down the road, you should be buying good quality businesses at good prices. And that's why right now we're, we're very patient. And we haven't, we haven't bought anything lately, but we're, lo- we're looking at. And we, I think about some, a couple months ago, but we, yeah. we made, I think, more sales so far than buy. So, all right. I'm going to take a quick break here. I do see uh, Wayne wants to talk about, it looks like four. They've got Mike from Normal Heights, and then Phil and San Marcos. Phone lines are open on top of that, 866-577-2473. You are listening to Smart Investing Show. Brent and Chase, stay with us. We'll be right back.
All righty, welcome back. The second hour of the Smart Investing Show. We got phone lines open 866 577 2473. That's 866 577 2473. Chase, do you see a, a trash can over there by you? Behind you. Behind me? Okay, I want to I want to throw off this Reese's Crispy Crunch Bar. It is the worst bar I've ever had. <laughs> I, I thought it, you it, said it was good. No, I didn't say it was good. I thought at the beginning. No, no, no. I, I, I took a bite because I was really hungry. Uh, but it, it tastes like cardboard inside. You hear that, Hershey stocks? You're going downhill now. <laughs> yeah, we don't own Hershey, so it's okay. Now, if I own Hershey's, I would, well, I wouldn't buy the bar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so. All righty. Uh, let's talk about the workshop because it is coming up. Um, and we want to make sure that people hear about it. We said gyrus are going to be there. Uh, sitting is limited there. It is going to be Thursday, June 24th at 6 o'clock. Uh, at Alesmith Brewery, and I know a lot of people really liked it there last time. Yeah. They liked the, the the beers and stuff. Had a good time and great information. Um, it, the workshop we're going to tell you how, show you how we invested money for successfully for forty years. All the things I've built over these years, and I will tell you in the beginning I made some mistakes. Well, we're going to show you the mistakes that investors make, and I've learned from those mistakes and why we do things the way we do. Um, also, we are going to show you you know how we get our target buy prices, how we get our target sell prices. We're going to go over the financials for you. Uh, why investing the right way is not risky if you understand what you're doing. That's what we try to do, try to educate you on investing so you can do better. I know, unfortunately, some people, they're so afraid of investing, they, they keep it in the bank and, and they earn 0.1%. It's such a shame because when you invest longer term, you should be averaging 8, 10, maybe 12% on average per year when it's done right. So that's what I want to show you there. So it is free. Seating is limited. You can sign up on our website. That's very important because if you're not signed up, we won't know you're coming. Website, smartinvesting2000.com, smartinvesting2000.com. Just look for the workshop uh, page there. It's just right on top, I think, on the right-hand side. You click on that. You can also call the office at 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Speak with Brianna. She could just signed up. And we look forward to seeing you at the workshop on June 24th, 6 o'clock at Alesmith Brewery. All right, let's head right back to the phones because I know we got quite a few callers here that are kind of been waiting. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Wayne. Wayne, you're in the Smart Investor with Brent Chase. How can we help you? Morning, gentlemen. Just like your opinion of Ford Motor Company. Okay. And do you hold that or looking to buy it? Looking to buy it. For, you know, they've got two new EV trucks coming out. So that, that may be something, something interesting. Yeah, they, they've really kind of turned things around. I, I know about a year or two ago, they were way behind in the EV market. They've seemed to come on pretty strong. Yeah, and, and, and yeah. one thing I, I think I talked about last week or the week before was, you know, the, the Ford Mustang Mach-E. You know, that's one thing. You, you got to be open to changing your opinion because at first I hated that car. I thought it was ugly. Now I saw it on the road. I was like, wow, I, I think it looks pretty okay. nice. Yeah. You got to have an open mind. Be flexible right. with, with your opinions there and um, I, I think they, they did turn the corner and I, I know that's actually been doing pretty well for them in sales. I will say, I still do not like that. They call it a Mustang and it's not a Mustang. Not a Mustang I know. <laughs> they should have just called it the Ford Mach-E <laughs> and, and just left it at that. But, uh, I, I digress from there. And the, the Ford F-150, I think lightning, um, you know, obviously, uh, Ford's been kind of well known for their F-150. If they can kind of commercialize that, uh, electric version of it i think they'll do quite well yeah and i'm very curious and i know general motors they they have electric uh, trucks as well 
Uh, I'm very curious how that's going to work in the construction industry. Yeah. Uh, because and, and I, I you need towing power, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. the towing yeah. power, the torque. And I, I continue to kind of look at the Tesla Cybertruck. And I, I know that they've had orders, but I just feel like it's a different crowd. I, right. I don't think it, you're going to see the Cybertruck on construction sites. I, I just don't see that yeah. occurring. And, and, and I've seen many women drive that because it's, it's huge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, have to buy a dump truck. <laughs> and, and actually, they may create a whole new market for, yep. for that truck. But, but again, for the construction side, again, you want that pulling, you want that. Uh, a lot of times, like with, with electric vehicles, when you use a lot more power, you try to go fast or pull more, you, you take up more energy. So that's why I'm wondering how they're going to work on construction side. Because if you're pulling some big trailer or whatever, with your, for whatever reason, you may use up all your energy and not be able to get home from the job because you're pulling that. So we will see how that develops. But let's take a look at the numbers on Ford. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you called about this, Wayne, because I was kind of curious with all this uh, uh, new EV stuff, how they're doing. Company, the, the symbol for Ford is uh, F. Uh, we do see the P.E. ratio. Great start here, 15.5 versus 73. Price to sales, 0.5 versus 2.9. That's very good. Price to book value, 1.8 versus 7.5. And then price of cash flow, also very good, 4.8 versus 15.74. Uh, they do not pay a dividend. I do see year-over-year year sales are down 13.9%. The initial is down 6.3%. I'm kind of curious why they were down by so much. I thought they were doing better than that. However, earnings look very good for Ford. They were up 230% year-over-year for the last 12 months, but the industry shows a gain of 2,914. Looking at the balance sheet for Ford, we got a current ratio of 1.2. That's about the same as the industry at 1.28. Debt to equity 451 versus 156. And here with these Ford co- these auto companies, you want to check to see uh, what the uh, amount is that they're actually using to, to loan out for the cars because they're like a finance company. So you got to kind of pull out what the total debt is just for the company. Uh, you generally find that in the 10Q, the 10K. We do see return on equity is 10, uh, I'm sorry, 12.5 versus 11.1. Net profit margin, 3.1 versus 4. And then we do see receivable turnover is 15.1 versus 3.3. And inventory turnover checks in at 9.9 versus 8.9. Chase, what about the numbers going forward? Yeah, so current price here for Ford is $15.28. 52-week high was $16.46. And 52-week low is $5.74. I go out to December 2022. I see estimated earnings per share of $1.73. It would give us a target sell price of $28.72. So the valuations still look very good on Ford. But a couple of things that I, I want to understand more about this business is are they looking at other opportunities for kind of more reoccurring revenue? I, I, I look at you know Tesla. I look at GM. They kind of have plans in the future to kind of almost create subscription type revenue where mm-hmm. you're getting that on a reoccurring basis. Does Ford kind of have any plans in their uh, marketing strategy, their, their business plan to actually have reoccurring revenue because that could justify higher multiples. If not, I think that they'll continue to lag GM and they'll continue to lag even Tesla with that. And, and one thing too I'm wondering about as well, because I know big with uh, GM and Tesla is autonomous driving. I've not had heard those words come out from Ford yet. I could have missed them, but I've not heard anything about that. They're out there, but I, I do believe their their technology is still behind yeah. both of those companies. So I, I would be curious as to what their plan is on the AV side as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, I think Ford's done a great job catching up here because they were way behind before. Yeah. Uh, so they've done a great job on that. The thing is, can they sustain it going forward? Uh, is the big question. And I also remember last year looking at kind of some of the warranty costs that they had. 
they they were just having big <laughs> issues in terms of I'm going to say their operations. Oh, they that. they had some costly uh, repairs that they had to do to mm-hmm. vehicles, and it, it was just way beyond what other automakers were 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 doing. So had they kind of resolved those areas of concern as well, because that that's going to continue ding profit margins. They can't get that resolved. So I, I know last year we talked about it as an opportunity if they can resolve some items. I am curious if they've kind of been on that path towards resolution and, and getting things fixed. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, Chase, you gave the numbers there on the, the target sell price and so forth. It it may be worth waiting here, Wayne, for maybe a pullback on it because I think there's been a lot of push forward to get to, what, $16 a share, I think it was. Yeah, 1528 15 So um, maybe on a pullback would make some sense, but I just think they could have a difficult time. To, you bring up the warranty cost. Uh, the time is driving. Uh, they, they, there could be some problems, some headwinds for Ford going forward. All right, Wayne. There's still a, there's still a semiconductor shortage, chip shortage. Uh, true, true. That's, yeah, right. that's another good point. Is I'm curious how they're kind of combating that. I know a lot of these automakers have changed some items. Like I know GM did drop the stop and start yep. function on their engine, which I think it hurts gas mileage by a very small amount, but they're still <laughs> able to get the cars out there. I'm curious how Ford's kind of dealing with it to, to continue to drive sales and get cars on the, the lots because we know that there are a lot less vehicles on lots. I was driving down Poway Road yesterday on my way to the high school, and I, I looked at the Nissan dealership, and I remember they always had just cars in that spare parking lot. I think there was like three really? cars in the spare parking lot. And they're not closing. They're just they're not closing. Cars. Yeah, there's no, no cars. Wow. No inventory. Wow. You should have stopped in. That's because of the semiconductor chip shortage. Yeah. yeah. So, these the car dealers in San Diego are going to the used car auctions to buy cars to put on their lot to to have something to sell. E- even there's even a shortage of used cars as well because their prices oh, yeah, are going up. Yeah, yeah, gone crazy. yeah. yeah. So yeah. It's a, again, great time to sell a car, not a good time to yeah. buy one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wayne, thank, thank you for calling. Man. Have a good day. All right, bye bye. You know, I was saying, I was like, gosh, I wish I, I almost think maybe I should just sell my truck right now and just. Uber for a little bit because you know? <laughs> my truck and I, I don't think I've ever seen this is worth more than when I bought it yeah and it's like up pretty substantially it's not like yeah you know oh it's a small chunk of change I'm up a decent amount of my truck I'm like should I just sell this and, and take a lift for a little bit or you know maybe yeah. get a, a Vespa or a moped yeah I, I, yeah <laughs> yeah maybe, maybe the moped I can see on the map but <laughs> Uh, but uh, no, you you can do the because you're so active. I mean, you know, going to work, yeah. you go to the gym. Uh, now you, it sounds like coaching for uh, Power High starting yeah. up again for you. So I mean, it's it just like if you had more of a uh, less scheduled stuff. But uh, but maybe you know, sell the truck and and buy like a. And we used to do this back in New York when I grew up in New York. You would have a a beater that you drive during the winter. Yeah. You know, it was usually not a very good car, but you didn't care because you might slide into snow banks and mess it up. So maybe you, you get a beater that, you know, costs you a few grand and, uh, you know, so it depends on how much, but then <laughs> you're not. I, I, I like my truck a lot too. Right, so right. Like... <laughs> well, well, maybe your fiance drives something nice and you drive the junk for a while. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Is it worth it though for a few thousand? Yeah, right exactly. <laughs> All right. Phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go out to Normal Heights and speak with Mike. Mike, you're in the Smart Investment Brand Chase. How can we help you? Uh, good morning. Um, uh, a preliminary question is: Citibank and Citicorp one and the same entity? Do you know? 
You know, I looked at this before and there is some confusion. I think Citibank and Citicorp is the same, but there is something else different. I can't remember. And I, I know exactly what you're talking about, Mike, because I remember seeing that. and I was surprised because there is a different city on something else, another company. But I, but I think the bank and the corporate is the same, but there's a different city. Yeah, because I, if, I, if I just Google Citicorp, I get Citigroup. Um, so I, I, I'm not sure. I mean, there might be a city right. corp out there, but right. uh, I, I'm not seeing it. Yeah, and I think there's a city group, a city corp, and a city bank, and one of those are not related, and I forget which one it is. Well, city group no. owns city bank. City group owns city bank, so maybe there's a city corp out there. Yeah. So and, and well, I don't. That helped. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, you got some chase. Um, oh gosh, I just had it there. Uh, yeah, it says the company. So I'm just looking at the history of city group. It says a company was formed by the merger of banking giant Citicorp right. and financial conglomerate Travelers Group in 1998. So now it's Citigroup because Citicorp merged with a different bank. So now I think they changed it from corp to group because there was multiple banks. Right. So, but there's another city out there. And I remember it was something for TV as I was yeah. doing. I forget what it was, but I and I'm sorry, Mike, I can't remember. But well, do you want to talk? You want to talk about the city? Bank? <laughs> what do you want to talk about, Mike? <laughs> no. Uh, okay. The stock uh, I, I own is uh, New Tech Business Services, and it's uh, the symbol is N E W T. Okay. And I'm sitting on a nice profit on it, and I'm, uh, but I'm getting nervous. I think maybe it's time to take some profits. Alrighty. Percentage wise, how much does it make up of your portfolio? Well, it's grown to about 8% now. Okay, that's not too excessive. So let's take a look at the New Tech Business Services Corporation. Uh, by chance, you know what they do, Mike? Uh, they're a business development corp company. Okay. And they, I... they lend to uh, uh, small businesses who can't get bank loans. Mm, okay. All right. And, and I, we did a post this past week. We, we, we saw this that uh, banks have, I think it's $17.4 trillion they're sitting on. Doing that post next week. Oh, not pull, oh okay. I, I, I thought we posted already. Okay, but but they, they can't loan out money, so kind of make it interesting for new tech uh, business services uh, that maybe they'll have trouble loaning out money. But let, let's take a look at the numbers here first to see if it's worth even looking at. Uh, again, new ter, new tech business services corporation symbol N E W T P E ratio eleven point five. That is good compared to the industry at fourteen point seven. Price of sales is very high though, six point eight versus two point six. Price to book value looks good, 2.3 versus 2.5. And price of cash flow checks in, 11.9 versus 25.7. So valuation ratios look pretty good. Wow, I do see you get a 7.4% dividend, and they only use 63% of their earnings to pay that out, so that's a big positive. Uh, sales were up 17.3% year over year, above the industry at 6.3. Earnings per share, they did climb by 152% about three times the industry at 53%. It is a finance company, so no uh, current ratio. Uh, debt to equity, 124 versus 158, so that's a good comparison there. Return on equity is 20.9 versus 14.9. Net profit margin, wow, 56.6 versus 17.8. And then receivable turnover is 7.7 versus 0.7. So numbers here looking pretty good. What do you got for the earnings going forward, Jay? Yeah, just some things I, I'd want to look at with this business is what does their loan portfolio look like? We, we always mm -hmm. talk about with kind of even with you just brought up with banks having so much liquidity and having a hard time finding places to loan that money. 
well, who is New Tech loaning money to? Is it going to be some high-risk players? I would want to understand more about their loan portfolio. I mean, we kind of talked earlier in the show about too much in energy. If they have too much in energy, that could be problematic. It, it sounds like they're kind of like uh, more of early-stage business, so my guess is probably more technology, and guessing from the name New Tech, <laughs> I'm guessing tech. it's probably heavily in technology. So it, just overall, though, I'd want to understand the loan portfolio. And also, it does say invest in early-stage businesses, both in terms of debt and equity investments. So mm-hmm. it sounds like they, they might have some equity holdings in some of these smaller private companies. So I'd be curious who they own. Right. Um, so just some things to consider if you as you do hold the business. But and, looking at that. And the other thing I was going to say, too, is how do they get their capital to loan out? Yeah. Uh, I know some uh, companies that we own, they actually kind of have a bank now, and they pay like a, what, a 1% return, and they loan out for 18%. So you want to wonder... Whereas New Tech getting their capital loan out, what are they paying for it? Yep. Yep. Looking at the numbers here, though, for you is the current price $37.62 near the 52 week high of $38.78 and uh, 52 week low $16.24. I go out to December 2022. I see estimated earnings per share of $2.09 would give us a target sell price of $34.69. So it is above our target sell price here. It might be time to essentially take those profits that you made. But I, I, I'm kind of surprised. I, I see December 2021. So this year, the company's estimate three dollars and fifteen cents. I mean, that's a huge fall off to go from three fifteen to two oh nine. Uh, well, kind of curious what's occurring in the business to have such a substantial decline next year. Chase, I, I got different numbers here. I, I, the earnings you had again what, what, what was for you, what year? 2022. 2022. Oh, there it is. Two oh nine. Okay, what I was looking at. Because I don't think you mentioned it. There's a big drop from 2021 at $3.15 down to $2.09. Did you bring that up? That's what I just said. <laughs> oh, okay. I guess I was, so busy at, <laughs> I was so busy looking at it that I wasn't listening to you. I'm sorry. I should have listened to you. But, uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, and that does worry me yeah. because, you know, Mike, they're going to have maybe a good year this year, the next year not. What was the target sale price? Because <laughs> I was not listening. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm doing the research over here while you're talking. <laughs> target sale price here, 34.69. So, uh, okay. You were focused on that. I, I had the same conversation that you just had. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mike, I hope we're not confusing here as we're having our, con- our conversation here, but I'm going to make sure we get it right. So, obviously, it is a sell. You're right to yeah. sell this because it is above the uh, target sale price. And uh, it may go higher, but it, I, I don't see the good future for this company. And, it, and I guess you made some money on it. Uh, so, yeah, I'd say it's time to sell this business. And and also, I like that 7% dividend that yes. they yeah. seem to be able to uh, maintain. But what could happen is that, you know, you sell it now. Maybe it goes a little bit higher. But you sell it now. Yes, you'll give that 7% dividend. But you'll then have the cash. And what could happen down the road, we'll say a year or two. Uh, the stock would drop maybe back down, and we're just guessing, $25 a share. Now you'll get like a 9% dividend if they didn't cut the dividend. But don't hold a stock just for a 7% dividend because if you get a 7% dividend and stock drops by 20%, you're still down 13%. Yeah, because I don't understand the dividend policy. Is Are yeah. they paying a special dividend and that's what's elevated oh, yeah. that 7%? Um, and going back to that decline in earnings that we just discussed. <laughs> we discussed that twice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Is the, the earnings, if they decline now, that payout ratio increases yeah. so they might have to reduce that and i've seen that happen with you know real estate investment trusts where people they love the the yield that they're getting on it but they actually reduce that that dividend so they can maintain it i would want to understand more about their their dividend policy on that seven percent yield because it it, it could 
be lowered in the future, which would be upsetting if the stock declines and now you have less in terms of the, the income of the dividend. So just just some things to consider if you, you do decide to hold it there. Yeah, I, I, but I wouldn't recommend No, I, I wouldn't either. I, don't hold it for the dividend. Uh, I would, My recommendation, if it came to us, we would sell it. Uh, doesn't mean we're going to turn around and buy something right away, but now you'll have cash to take advantage of any future pullbacks, which, again, we think there's going to be a pullback uh, in the future. So we're going to put a sell on this company. All righty? I appreciate it. Okay, Mike, Thank thanks you. for calling. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, that opens the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go out to San Marcos and speak with Phil. Phil, you're on the Smart Investor with Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey, guys, how you doing? Good, hey, how are you uh, doing? I, good. Hey, I bought a little bit of Viacom, V-I-A-C, uh, immediately after um, that um, hedge fund investor Huang got mm-hmm. exposed, actually got exposed by Viacom themselves, just around the $40 mark. And I was actually interested in them before because I think they're a target for a merger or acquisition. And I'm kind of curious to get your feed on just the fundamentals. Okay. And as far as their what do you think about them potentially getting uh, merging or getting acquired? All right. Well, we'll take a look at the company. I, I know we kind of looked at this as well to buy it. I think it fell. And I, I forget to, um, did it, you said it, Phil, you said it fell to about 40. I'm kind of blanking on the numbers right after the whole kind of fallout. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So it's been kind of hovering around that level since the fallout. And I remember when we looked at it, Chase, too, and I don't think they've been updated yet, was during that whole situation they issued more debt yeah. and I think either more equity or preferred stock. I think it was a combination. Combination. And so when we look at these numbers now, because these are numbers ending March 31st of 2021, that new debt may not be in there. So you got to do a little bit of reading here because that, that won't show up until they report their numbers for June 31st. Then you'll see big change in the balance sheet. So we're going to run, run over these numbers, but keep that in mind. Uh, here, Phil, because um, there could be more to the story than what we're seeing here based on financial statements from March 31st. All right, so look, look yeah. at the Viacom CBS, symbol is VIAC. We see a PE ratio of 9.8 versus 58. That's very good. Price to sales 1.1 versus 2.8. No price attainable book value, but that's the same as the industry. And then we do see price of cash flow is 8. That is good compared to the industry at 14.1. We do see that they pay a dividend of 2.3%, only use 22.5% of their earnings to pay that out. That's a big positive. Year over year, sales are down 1.4%, but the whole industry uh, was down 6.4%. Earnings per share for Viacom did climb by 59% when the industry fell by 57%. So you do want to kind of know how they, you know, had loss in sales, but yet increase in earnings. How they do that? Was it accounting? Probably. We do see on the balance sheet, current ratio 1.8 versus 1.3. That's positive. Debt to equity 92.8 versus 104.9 for the industry. We do see return to equity looking very good. 16.5 versus 5.2. Net profit margin 11.6 versus 4.9. Receivable turnover is not very good. 3.6 versus 6.3. I wonder if advertisers are not paying here. That could be. And then we do see inventory turnover is 11.8 versus 16.9. Chase, what do you got for the earnings going forward? I did kind of look this up. It looks like it was announced March 24th. So I don't know if it occurred in the first quarter or if the capital raise is now going to occur after. 
But the thing is, it, it wasn't debt. It was $20 million of common stock at $85 per share, which is awesome for them. They got 85 <laughs> if they didn't do it. For the company because was uh, they got a lot more cash than if they had done it at 40 uh, They also did offer $10 million of preferred stock at $100 per share in a secondary public offering. So they raised about, uh, we'll call it about $2.5, $2.6 billion uh, from that offering. Now, looking at the uh, current price for Viacom, it is still, as I said, around that $42.35. Now, we know it got crazy earlier this year. I remember checking, it was like, $100 a share. I was like, yeah. holy cow, it did go as high as $101.97. But as, as you mentioned there, Phil, with the fallout with the hedge fund, it, it has fallen quite substantially. But it is still well off the 52-week low of $21.67. I remember looking at this business at the beginning of last year, even around like $17, $18 a share. Yeah. So even though it's gone way up, we would have ridden it through the craziness up to 100 yeah. But, um, you know, it's, it's still uh, well off that low. But looking forward to December 2022, I see estimated earnings per share of $4.06. That would give us a target sell price of $67.40. So still some room for appreciation there. And, and I did look at the income statement just for the shares outstanding. I, I looked at the basic. Weighted average shares outstanding. A year ago, 614 million. It's now 622 million. Um, so maybe this is is cooked in there. But I, I but you said the announcement was, and it was announcements that they did it or they were gonna do it. Uh, I, I I'm not sure, but uh, 20 million shares. So it sounds like that could be about right. Mm, no, that'd be uh, yeah. I guess that'd be no, no. That'd be eight million. Okay. Increase. Maybe yeah. they, they had some buybacks or something last year too to yeah. kind of counteract yeah. that. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. Some some definitely more research on it. And you talked about the merger acquisition of it. Uh, that definitely has been uh, rumored, as you've seen a lot of mega deals as things are kind of starting to consolidate in the streaming side. I will say, don't don't get too excited over a merger though. We, we've seen what happened with Discovery and AT and T when they announced their business deal. Neither one of those companies really did much after. After the offering, I mean, initially they initially did, but then great. they pulled back yeah. very, very quickly. Yeah. So, if it's going to be an all-stock deal, let's say, Bicom may not benefit from it. Yeah. If they are acquired in cash, that would be ideal. But it seems like the way that the companies are doing these is by doing stock mergers. Yeah. Does that help you out, Phil? Yeah. Thanks very much, uh, and I'll see you guys at the uh, workshop. Well, good. We'll look forward to seeing you uh, Thursday the twenty-fourth. We'll see you then. Okay, thanks. Okay, Phil. See ya. Bye-bye. All right, that does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And Chase, you know, you are correct. You brought up the uh, AT&T Discovery uh, merger there. Uh, Good deal, but many times in the short term, it doesn't pay off. And that's what people have to realize. And again, you're buying, we always talk about buying businesses. Don't worry because, oh my gosh, went from, I think I think 18 hit 33, went back down to 27 or something. Um, that's because I think short term, and maybe people are buying on the rumor, selling on the news, but we don't care about that. We're buying a business, which we think both of those are going to do very well. And a lot of people, I, I'm going to say a lot of individual retirees held AT&T for the dividend. And yeah. when they announced the cut, I think a lot of them sold it, which I, th- I think is a big mistake. You still get a, a very good yield even after they cut it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you're going to find a better secure yield right. than, than even AT&T's cut. Um, so I think a lot of people made a mistake selling. And I mean, we'll see. 
Yeah. We'll see what happens. But could have been some funds sold it as well because maybe because of that cut in the dividend yield, but you're right. I mean, it's still going to pay what I, I think about a 5% yield. Yeah, I think it's 45 5%, I want to yeah. say. Yeah. I mean, and again, people are going to sell them. They might buy it back six months later, like, oh, that's still a good yield. And, and again, I'm looking for yield. Oh, right. Wow, this company <laughs> yeah. pays 5%. Well, who is it? at t Well, I sold them. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but, and, and I think that the companies will do very well separately. And, and I, I'm still not sure. We don't know how much they're going to get off that at t shareholders are going to get from the spinoff of uh, Discovery. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they're estimating somewhere around seventeen dollars a share. I want to say yeah. so. It, it, I I think when it's all said and done, you look back at this deal, you know, a year or two later, like, wow, I did pretty good with that deal. Yeah, so. yeah. So I I'm optimistic about it, but yeah. point is, is Viacom, I, you know, them and Comcast, I think, are kind of the remaining players out there yeah. that are rumored to to do something because yeah. they're kind of going to start getting left behind. As I mean, Netflix already has a pretty. Good size following. Obviously, Disney Plus now is uh, they merged with Fox, um, well, the, the creation side of Fox, their content and stuff. What was that two years ago now? And then yeah. AT and T and Discovery with well, Time. Well, I guess AT and T's spinning out Time Warner to merge with Discovery. AT and T's not actually merging with <laughs> Discovery. It's yeah. a kind of reverse mer- merger type deal. So uh, there's a lot of action going on in that space, and I think the ones that could get left behind are the smaller players if they do nothing. Yeah, and, and what could happen, because I know a lot of companies have a lot of cash on their balance sheet, is that they could be actually starting to acquire companies by cash. But it may not be the big mega mergers. It could be the smaller companies are buying. And I, I'm going to give out a little little tip here. Yeah. One company we're looking at as well that doesn't get as much. We're going to give away a company we're looking at? Yeah, I'll, I'll give people a little, all right, little tidbit. All right. We'll be nice is, today. It, it uh, doesn't get a whole lot of love in the news, though, it seems like, is Fox. And essentially, mm-hmm. they, they lost a lot of the content when they sold 21st Century right. to Disney. But, I mean, they still have you know Fox Business, Fox News. They have uh, Tubi is another item, and, and they have the content. Right. And I think somebody's going to want that content from Fox. Yeah. And I, I'm just curious to see what happens with that business as well. Because it, it seems like that's another one that could get scooped up, but it, it's not being talked about as much. And, and with your, your uh, you know, Republican or Democrat, the politics going forward is going to be big news, I think, for oh, the yeah. next a few years, and they're a big part of that on, on on one side. So I think they will benefit on the advertising from that side. So yeah, no, hey, if you you don't want to pick a party, AT and T, Time Warner, they own CNN. So, <laughs> hey, you can you buy go. both, and you're not picking a party. That there you go. I like that. <laughs> All right, phone number is eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. That's eight six six. Five seven seven two four seven three. Let's go out to El Cajon and speak with Art. Art, you're in the Smart Vegetable Brent Chase. How can we help you? Uh, yes, I have a question for you uh, on uh, one of my stocks that I picked. It's called QYLD. Now, now I show that's the Global X Nasdaq 100 Covered Call ETF. Is that what you hold there, Art? That is correct. Okay, all right. So it's not really a stock. It's more well, it's an ETF, which is exchange traded fund. So it's more of a fund. Um, uh-huh. I, I couldn't pull up much detail on it. Now, one thing that I don't like seeing is that, uh, and I think we've talked about one like this before, was a covered call. And what you have to understand, what they're doing is that they, they own, the, own a stock, and then they'll sell the call option on it for a future price. Yeah. Now, what that does, it gives them some income stream, but what it also does, like say you have a stock that, uh, that they hold at $10 a share, they sell a call for a dollar a share, the stock could go up to 15 and all they're going to get is 11. So, you know, I actually tried years ago the covered call strategy because I thought it made some sense. It actually hurt my performance 
because I got things called away from me that did far better than what I got for that premium. Uh, do you have anything on the, the fun, Chase? I was going to say, too, and calls, I'm trying to get this right in my head, is when you sell the call, that means that you are basically looking at if it goes, you don't have any downside yeah. protection. Right. So, I, I mean, the thing is with the NASDAQ, if the NASDAQ falls, you're going to have risk there and you limit the upside potential. But I, I do see the yield right now. It's like 12% on this. So they're, they're selling those calls. I'm curious what what levels they're selling the calls at. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely more of a complicated strategy. But um, I do worry a little bit. The NASDAQ's gotten very, very expensive that, that you don't have that that downside protection to, to this this product. Yeah, that's a good point you bring up because, again, you, you do get that extra premium, which say you sell that, uh, I'll use that $10 again uh, stock, uh, you sell, you get a dollar premium, well, you got a 10% downside protection, but after that, there's nothing there. And, and I'm assuming the NASDAQ 100 is probably the top 100 NASDAQ stocks, which would include, I'm, I'm sure, like Netflix, uh, Tesla, all these other ones that are very, very high, which uh, selling, selling the covered you know, the premium, I, I don't think it's going to cover anything. I, and I, again, I've tried this strategy. I think I did it for like two years. And I said, no, this does not work long term. It looked great short terms at times. Like, wow, you know, I'm making all this premium. <laughs> but then it's like long term, you don't make money. So um, I, I, I would recommend to get, get out of this, this fund. It, it just doesn't uh, make much money for you. Yeah. All right, Art. Okay. Thank you very much. All right. You're welcome. Bye-bye. All right. That opens the phone line, 866 Five seven seven two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. That's uh, two funds we had to work on today. Yeah, and I, I'm gonna say it's interesting. I, I go back to like 2013 when this fund first started. Is the uh, the price was twenty six dollars a share. Mm-hmm. It's now twenty two dollars a share. So you, you've gotten income from it, but I think by them selling the calls is you don't get the upside. So the NASDAQ's done phenomenal right. since 2013, but you lose out on that upside because they have to sell away the, the QQQ yeah. is what I'm guessing they're buying. And it has to do with the downside. I mean, this fell as low as, what is this, $18 a share mm-hmm. back in, in COVID. So, right. I mean, it, it can drop, and then you lose the, the benefit of the income. So I, I I do worry about products like this. Yeah, and and, and that's exactly why I didn't, keep doing what I was doing that strategy because it looks good for a while, but then you made a great point. Now, probably they didn't, weren't using those call strategies instead of being 20, what is it, $26 a share you said now? 22. 22 was 26. It was 26. 26. That that share price could have been 44 or 50. <clears throat> you I know? guess it's since 2013, the NASDAQ's definitely oh, more than doubled. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I just don't like these special things that we do. I mean, we do, uh, you know, hedging things. We do do stuff like that. But to try to get a better return, generally options are not going to give that to you. They'll give you some, oh, like I got this premium coming in, which, by the way, if it's not an IRA, it's taxable. Taxable. taxable As ordinary income Mm -hmm. also. So, all righty. Phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And Chase, you're talking about the options, these crazy things going on. This is why we do the workshop. The next workshop is going to be June 24, 6 o'clock. It will be at Ale Smith Brewery right off of Miramar Road. Uh, now, at the workshop, we're going to show you how we managed our clients' money for the past 40 years, my own money for the past 40 years, how I've been successful investing. And again, we, we talk about these things that we just talked about with the option strategies, things not to do when it comes to investing. We will go over all the financial fundamentals that put your mind at ease when investing and keep on the right course for the long term. And again, we talk about this 
a correction coming up, this is when you want to really be on track and be doing what we call being a smart investor, uh, not just buying hype and buying crazy things. Uh, we'll also go over all the mistakes that investors have made up for years, and we don't want you making those mistakes. I want to show you what they are so you won't make them. The workshop, we're about halfway full now, so it is uh, uh, seating is limited there. But what you can do is I recommend sign up now. Go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. You can call the office and speak with Brianna. That number is 858-546-4306. 858-546-4306. Get you signed up. It is free, but you got to register. And we look forward to seeing you on Thursday, June 24th at 6 p.m. at Dale Smith Brewery. All right, let's go back to the phones here. Let's go to San Diego and speak with Guy. Guy, you're in the Smart Invest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hi, guys, and good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Sure, thanks for being there. So me and my twin brother are, um, well, first of all, I'm a, a novice, of a, a newbie. Okay. But me and my twin brother are having a little contest because he's into that crypto stuff. Okay. And I'm not too much of a believer of it. But I recently purchased um, SENS, and I wanted you to let, let me know how that is and for okay. the future. Okay, and Guy, very important. Did you set a timeline on when the contest is over? Uh, we set it um, um, June, one year, one year from now. One year, okay. Uh, yeah. A little bit short. I was going to say you might want to say, okay, well, let's come back and look at this. In 2026, uh-huh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you'll probably kick his butt. But in the meantime, uh-huh. he he may beat you because again, it's just uh, you know we don't even invest money for a year because it's just too speculative. I mean, you, you could uh-huh. do well. It's more of a guessing game. We'll we'll go over the numbers here for you. And it's a uh, Sensonics Holdings Corporation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we'll, we'll go over the yeah. numbers for you on that. And when did it, when did the bet start? Did it start when Bitcoin was around sixty four thousand, or did it start? <laughs> oh, no, it just, it just started. Uh, Two or three weeks ago. Oh, that's too bad. You could have you could have gotten a huge head start there. <laughs> right. Well, the only reason that uh, I picked that one is because I am a diabetic, and that's a diabetic continuous reading. Oh, okay. Um, type of thing, and and I was told when when you buy stocks, buy something that you're gonna that you're you're gonna use. You yeah, that, that's the start of the research. I mean, it does help when you do that. And we're going to go over the numbers here for you, and I'll explain why that's the start of the research. Because, yes, buy something that you know and you use, but don't buy it just because of that. Because you could buy a company like uh, the Polaroid camera, which a lot of people use the Polaroid yeah. camera, and that that went bankrupt. So, um, okay. Yeah, I was going to say, you definitely want to buy something that you use. But as Brent said, this is the start because you don't want to buy something that you hate and you don't use because that's a terrible <laughs> idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So let, let's look at uh, Sensonics Holdings Incorporated. Uh, symbol is S E N S. Uh, here's the problem, guy. No PE ratio versus 42 for the industry. That tells me they're making no money over the last 12 months. Price to sales very high, 221 versus 7.4. Price to book value not material, which means you take away all the uh, the uh, well, the liabilities actually <laughs> exceed the the assets. So there's no value to this company. Uh, price oh, of cash flow, yeah. yeah. Price of cash flow, not material versus twenty eight. Now, looking at the revenue growth, it's actually they've lost fifty nine percent year over year. When the industry grew their revenue by twenty two percent, earnings for the company fell by eighty five percent. Industry grew by sixty three percent. 
Looking at the balance sheet, uh, we see a current ratio of 12.2 versus two. That says they have a lot of liquidity, but there's no debt to equity. While Chase looks at the numbers, I'll see if they have just no debt or there's no equity there at all. We do see return on, well, I think they have no equity because there's no return on equity here. Uh, net profit margin, oh my gosh, they lose 4,900% uh, versus a gain of 17.4. Receivable turnover is 5.8 versus 6.1. And inventory turnover, 0. 0.9 versus 3.0. I know what the number is going to be when Chase runs them over, but we'll make another comment as he finishes up on that. Yeah, so if I look at the current price here for Synzionix, it's $4.01. And, and 52-week high is $5.56. Wow, 52-week low is $0.35. Cents. Now, unfortunately, I go out to December 2022. The company's still not estimated to make any money, so I can't get a target sell price off of it. I will say this company was up 11% yesterday. So, I mean, this is one of them where, you know, you could look next mm -hmm. year and you, you could be winning because it, <laughs> it, it's 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 more of a gamble here. We don't like to take chances on things. Mm -hmm. uh, we like to kind of find good, steady companies that, that have a lot of kind of data out there. This seems like it could be a big hit or it could be a flop. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is that this, this company is speculative just like the, the, the cryptocurrency, the Bitcoin is, because there's a lot of speculation here. And again, this could do extremely well because maybe they hit some big factor and the stock goes up, you know, 200%, or it could be gone in a year because of the fact that they, they just didn't do well. So, and, and you said you are diabetic there, right, Mike? Or, yeah. or guy, excuse me. Um, right. do, you, do you use uh, their glucose, glucose monitoring system? No, I do not. Um, I don't think it's got the FDA okay. for the 12 month reading yet. Okay. Oh, okay. So that would make sense then if it, it is yeah. coming out, but I know they're, they're going up against some big names there and obviously, uh, Dexcom and I think Medtronic are, are other names in the diabetes space. So I, I'm curious if they're direct competitors with them, maybe they're an acquisition target down the line, but it's, it's a lot of speculation, uh, for this business. And, and guy, here's a big thing. You said they don't have the approval yet. If they get right. that approval, the stock could skyrocket. Yeah. If they don't get I know, it, that's why um, that's why I took a chance. But it sounds like with all the numbers you said, mm -hmm. I'm, it's going the wrong way. Well, and that, that's <laughs> the tough thing is that the numbers it, it, it's it's very hard with biotech and healthcare mm -hmm. companies is because analysts like to kind of have a good basis of things. Like if you look at a food company, you, you can kind of project things out very easily because you know what's going to happen. With this business, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if, if they're going to get approved or if they're not going to get approved. So it, it's much harder, and that's really where the gamble comes in with, with biotech is, is it all hinges off what the FDA says and how the research goes, and it, it's it's kind of a form of gambling a lot in, in this yeah. type of space. Yeah, and, yeah. And, yeah. And, and that's why, again, if they get that approval, the stock will you'll do very well. Uh, they do have a lot. I looked at the total liabilities, went from $84 million up to $381 million. They do not have any equity, have a negative equity of $185 million. As an investment goes, this is not a very good investment. It's a very speculative investment. Um, mm -hmm. So that's so you, you're kind of both doing the same thing. You're both speculating just on different mm -hmm. uh, financial instruments, we'll call it. So. But, right. if, but if you listen to the show more, guy, if you listen to the show more, you'll have you'll hear some other ideas on actually companies. We talked about Ford this morning. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about different companies. Uh, you can also sign up for a newsletter. I think you said you're new to investing, so go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. Right. Uh, we do the newsletter. We got the workshop coming up. So a lot of different things to try to help you out as an investor. But but again, uh, somebody on Bitcoin they could just blow us out of the water. 
uh, over the year. What we look at is more of like long-term investing. And I've been doing this again for 40 years is my thing was never to lose people money. And we've made a lot right. of people very right. wealthy over time uh, is the big factor there. Already? Great. Well, thanks for your time, guys. You're welcome, guy. Have a good one. Bye -bye. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Bye. You know, I'm just giving away too much today, but uh, well, you, you, you think it's Christmas here? What are you, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, we were talking to a guy here about using something that, that you know and, mm -hmm. and uh, use. It is, uh, I was doing a conference call yesterday for a company we're looking at. I'm not going to give away the All name. Right, thank here, you. All right. A, gosh. It is like in a restaurant company. And I was like reading and I was like, oh, it's around lunchtime. I just got so hungry because I love the restaurant. <laughs> and I was like, oh, man, this is tough. <laughs> but the point is, it's like I wouldn't buy a restaurant that. I go to and I'm like, this place is terrible. Yeah, <laughs> you, know, you yeah. don't want to do that. No matter what the numbers look like, you don't do that. But uh, I thought it was a good story. And it does make investing a lot better when you actually like the product and you use the product. It makes you feel good. Like, yes, I, I own this business uh, and it's doing well. And again, don't, don't buy it just because you use it, but you look at both. And many times we'll buy a business and we'll say, yeah, let's start using it. We'll, we'll use the product because it's, it's, it's so good. And then the other side, We'll stop using it uh, if we sell the company, um, but but it does make a, a, a difference. But don't ever invest just because you like the product, because that could be yeah. a problem. So you want to like the product and like the numbers. Yep, exactly. All right, phone number is eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. Let's head up to Huntington Beach and speak with William. William, you're on the Smart Investor with Brent Chase. How can we help you? Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, what a great segue because you just mentioned about buying stocks in a product, but I, I'm calling about a stock in a company that I go to, and I'm sure a lot of your customers or your listeners do as well. It's Walmart. Yes. I don't own it, but I own Target, and I've been very happy with it over the past uh, year and a half. I'm just not sure if the Walmart numbers look as good as the Target numbers. <laughs> so but the, the Oh, I think we have the same. Exactly. I'll let you say uh, Okay. So the big question is, you go to Walmart, do you go to Target? I go to both for different okay. things, and I actually personally do have a preference of one over the other, which is kind of why I'm calling. <laughs> you like Walmart better than huh? I like Target oh, better. I think okay. they're cleaner. Okay. I, think, I think they're set up better. But I think they have slightly different markets. Yeah. And with the mm -hmm. small businesses being shut down over the past year, I would have assumed both would have done rather well. Just not sure... One did as well as the other. Yeah, Target actually did very well. Uh, yeah. mm -hmm. Well, and, and Walmart was a little bit ahead of them on the technology side, but yeah. Target really revamped things. And, oh, gosh, I remember looking at Target a few years ago, and, and we didn't have cash available to buy yeah. it, and we had a lot of business that did very well. But I remember looking at it, and it, it just made sense. It's it's a great company, and all of a sudden, you know, they, they were able to get that technology revamped, and right. they've done very well. Mm -hmm. Right. All right, let's look at the numbers on uh, Walmart here for you. Uh, symbol is WMT. And I'm kind of excited to look at it because over the years, I've held Walmart at different time. We do not hold it now. Uh, P.E. ratio, 32.7. That is above the industry at 32. Price to sales, 0.7 versus 0.55. Price to book value, 8 versus 9.2. And then price to cash flow checks in at 16.8. That is well above the industry at 10.2. You do get a 1.6% dividend. They use 50% of their earnings to pay that out. Now, sales for Walmart have climbed year over year by 5.3%, which is above the industry at 3.3. However, earnings per share for Walmart fell by 18.2, which was a larger decline than the industry decline of 179 
Look at the balance sheet. Got a current ratio of 0.95 versus 1. That's okay. Debt to equity is 61.8 versus 83.5. Return on equity, very good for Walmart. 16.7 versus 14.8. Net profit margin, and these are retailers, is very low, 2.2, but the, the industry average is 1.7. And then with a receivable turnover, 104 times versus uh, 58, and that's over the last 12 months. And then inventory turns are at 9.6, about the same as the industry at 10.4. Very excited to hear about the earnings going forward. What are you all with that smiling? Uh, I, was just, I was just thinking about my preference here. I mean, I uh, my fiance hates Walmart, so I don't go there. <laughs> One of my best friends hates Walmart. Uh, so I've, I've gone to Target more lately, and it's closer to me. But I will say Walmart has better 4th of July shirts, so I always go to Walmart <laughs> around 4th of July because they right. have the oh, best ones. We won't tell her. Hopefully she's not listening. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, I don't. I'm not gonna buy Walmart because I like their Fourth of July shirt. So let's look at the numbers here. Right. Current price, hundred forty dollars seventy five cents. Fifty two week high. Well, that's one hundred fifty three dollars and sixty six cents. And the fifty two week low, one hundred seventeen dollars and one cent. If I go up to January two thousand twenty three, I do see estimated earnings per share of six dollars and twenty six cents. Would give us a target sell price of one hundred three dollars and ninety two cents. So it, it sounds like you like Target better. To shop at, and right. I don't think I'd, I'd buy Walmart stock at this time either. Yeah, yeah, and, and the thing that's interesting, and I and I figured that Walmart is overpriced, and my guess is probably Target's overpriced as well. So what you probably should be doing, and 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 we got another call behind you, so I so I can't do Target for you, is, is look at Target because I I think Target's priced overpriced. Yeah, and I, I will say the other mm. thing is I don't want to spend too much time here, but the earnings. There are only estimated growth four point eight percent, so it's trading at a lofty right. valuation there, and, and there's not much earnings growth left in it. So I, I, I don't like Walmart at these prices. Um, I'm sure Target's kind of similar and done well with it, but yeah. I, I think there's going to be better opportunities out there. Yeah, I'd, I'd say maybe call back next week and we'll take a look at Target for you. Absolutely, very interesting, gentlemen. I really appreciate the analysis, and uh, wow, you really uh, live up to the name of smart investing. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right, thank you, William. We appreciate it. Have a good one. You too. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right, that does open the phone line eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Joe. Joe, you're in the Smart Vegetable Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey guys, how you guys doing? Good. How you doing? We're doing great out here. Uh, you know, I was just interested in what your thoughts were on Tesla. Um, I currently own some, and it's just uh, definitely a lot, about twenty percent lower from what I bought it at. And just kind of uh, wondering what you, what your thoughts are on that. You, you said you're down about twenty. What'd you pay for it, Joe? Um, I think it was like seven twenty-eight a share. Okay. Kind okay. of when it was up. Yeah, I mean. It sounds like you're kind of driving around right now. Are you driving around in a Tesla? Or? No, actually, I'm not. I've got a Durango. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a look at Tesla again. We've not got a call on Tesla in quite a while, so I'm kind of anxious to kind of look at the numbers again. Uh, their symbol is TSLA. We do see a P-E ratio of 614 versus 73. Price of sales, 16.4 versus 2.9. Price to book value, 27.7 versus 7. Then price of cash flow, 161, more than 10 times the industry at 15.7. We do see that the sales have risen by 38.1% year over year. That is better than the industry decline of 6.2. Earnings per share for Tesla, they have gone up by 748 
versus 2,914 for the industry. So I'm surprised they've not done as good as the industry has. And also, too, I know a lot of those earnings are coming from tax credits, not from operations from the business. So you got to keep that in mind. I don't think they'll be changing with this current administration, but you still want to know where their earnings are coming from. Uh, debt to equity looks pretty good for Tesla. 47 versus 156 for the industry. Current ratio looks good. 1.7 versus 1.3. So we have seen a improvement in the balance sheet uh, of Tesla over the years here now. Return on equity is 6.9, not quite as good as the industry at 11.1. We do see a net profit margin of 3.5 versus 4. And then we see receivable turnover is 22.7 versus 3.3. Inventory turnover is 6.6 versus 8.9. Chase, what do you got for the earnings going forward? Yeah, so current price here for Tesla, $609.89. I mean, 52-week high did hit $900.40. 52-week low, well, that was $181.71, or no, excuse me, $181.70. I go out to December 2022, though. I see estimated earnings per share of just $6.23. We use 16.6 as our forward multiple because that's the long-term average for what earnings normally trade at. We use that multiple. We get a target sell price of $79.51. And this is one thing we know about Tesla. It's very, very expensive. People like it because the estimated growth. But I do think people really did um, undersell what the competition was going to do. And, I mean, I think a lot of people are surprised by what the traditional auto manufacturer kind of come out with, which I think has started to ding Tesla stock price. So it's still very, very expensive. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if it's going to fall down to $79 a share, but that is what the long-term valuations would put it at. And there's a lot of things behind wow. Tesla. You got you got the uh, CEO, Elon Musk, who was on TV. They seem like all the time <laughs> doing something. Uh, now you got the Bitcoin in there, which he you don't know if he likes it today or doesn't like it. You know, There's a lot of things that goes on with this business that take away from what the, the business really is. It's more of a speculation because it is a great car. I mean, I know people have them. They love them. I think they've done very well. But as a valuation for a business, it's just not there. I mean, because GM, you know, we talked about Ford earlier in the show that they've got some great EVs now. Um, so Tesla, you know, it's just it's more of a speculation here of what the stock's going to do. And I think you said you're down 20 percent. It's always hard to sell a company when you're down 20 percent. But I can't give any reason to hold on to it. And it's very possible you sell it here and it goes back up to seven, eight hundred. But I know if you came into our office to manage your money, we would recommend that, yes, we, we sell this company, even though it's a great name, great car. It just is not justified for the current stock price. Does that help, Joe? Yeah, it does. I appreciate your time, guys. All right. Well, stay tuned and uh, let us know what you do there. Already? All right. Have a great day. You too, Joe. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. That opens up the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866 577 Two four seven three. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with James. James, you're on the Smart Investor Brand Chase. How can we help you? Interested in Microsoft. Um, my man, money manager said that uh, they're going to be taking over market dominance over Zoom with their Microsoft Teams. I was kind of curious what your guys' thoughts were on that. Now you said market dominance, or are they taking over Zoom? Um, they're going to take over the market share of it. Is what I'm saying. Okay. I I've not heard that I'm, I'm not sure I, I have you used Microsoft Teams James yeah I use it for my company and and a lot of my clients use it as well okay. so I was kind of seeing it as well but I was a little bit shocked because you know zoom is definitely the brand name yeah 
Yeah. And I, I, I do think it's, I don't know how big that space is going to be. And obviously I know WebEx is in there as well, but I, I think there was a, yeah. a lot of kind of hype around the, the video conference calls last year. Even if they do take over as, as the the market leader, I don't know what that's worth. And it's, I think, really going to be a small part of their, their business. And I think if they were to get into that business, I mean, I, I do believe Zoom has a kind of corner of the market, so to speak, on it. Uh, how much is Microsoft really going to make off it that's really going to move this big company that has you know earnings that are just huge? Yeah. I, I, I don't think it would be a game changer for them, especially as Chase said with the declining use as the, the economy is opening here. Uh, I think we'll see declines in Zoom or uh, what do you call team for Microsoft? Microsoft Teams. Yeah. Microsoft Teams. I, I, I just don't think it's going to be a great business to get into. I think it's behind the curve or behind the. I mean, I'll, I'll point out too is Microsoft Teams is already baked into it. Zoom is about a $100 billion market cap, which I think is way too high for even what yeah. Zoom should be worth. Is Microsoft's over a trillion dollars in terms of its market cap. So if Microsoft Teams, what is that really going to be worth? Maybe, you know, $50 billion, let's say. Or some of that's already baked right. into it. I don't think it's going to move the needle too much in terms of its stock price. And, and we do have Cisco out there with uh, WebEx is what they, they own. Yeah. Uh, I, I just don't think they've been sitting their hands saying, oh, we're not going to do anything. I think they've probably been upgrading their system, trying to do things to really enhance what they have. So they're a player in there as well. Uh, not a strong player, but they might come in. You never know. Yep. So I, I just don't see this moving Microsoft uh, to any big degree. So, All right, James. Thank you, guys. All right. Thank you. Have a good one. Bye-bye. I was going to say real quick, too, is just, I mean, uh, Microsoft is a great company, and, you know, I, I watch Stuart Varney a lot in the yeah. morning on Fox. He owns it. He owns it. He owns <laughs> Microsoft. But, I mean, I, I look at the valuations on this thing. It trades at $257.89. Next year, they're asked to make $8.35. I mean, that, that gives a target sell price of $138.61. So, I mean, at these levels, that means it trades at a forward P.E. of 31 yeah i mean it, it's it, it's not inexpensive no it's not expensive at all and, th and there were there was years past where it, it did, the stock didn't move for years and and the same thing could happen it's a great company it's got some great products it's got a great you know executive team but um the stock may be bouncing around uh you know 200 250 for maybe you know five years i mean it, you know who knows and this is one of the growth companies we talked about in the beginning that it's done very well over time but nothing keeps going up every single year and you know uh, no matter what they do so be cautious yeah yeah so um already uh workshop one more time it is going to be uh thursday june 24 six o'clock at alesmith brewery right off of miramar road if you want to sign up for that workshop go to our website smartinvesting2000.com that's smartinvesting2000.com. We're going to show you everything we do. We're going to talk about target sell prices, target buy prices, all the financial statements, mistakes that you may have made in the past, mistakes you could make in the future if you don't know about them. We'll go over all this. It is a free workshop, but seating is limited. You have to sign up. Uh, again, go to the website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing you there. we got some great beers. Yep. Video, looking forward story. to it. Yep. All righty. There's uh, Frank Sinatra for uh, thank you for uh, listening to the Smart Investing Show. It is for informational purpose only and should not be used on investment advice. If you'd like to discuss in more detail your investment needs or have other investment questions, feel free to call myself Brent Wilsey or Chase Wilsey at 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. And visit our website. A lot of information there smartinvesting2000.com that's smart 
investing2000.com. And for more daily educational information on investment tips, go to our Facebook page, Smart Investing with Brent Chase Wilsey. Today's show is sponsored in part by Thompson Reuters Refinitiv. Closing song, Frank Sinatra's My Way, is performed by local entertainer Roman Palacios. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investing Show. We'll talk next week. And may I say, not in a shop. This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management.